Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 24. Yes. I'm Brentley. This is my boyfriend, Daniel. I'm and Dan. today we are joined once again by the wonderful erudite, Christian Watson. Hey. Welcome back, Christian. Oh, yes. It's a pleasure to have Happy you. Happy to be here, as always. So, Christian, uh, maybe we'll just kick it off. I wanted to talk about your appearance on this, uh, this yeah, the show. On, on the Young Turks with... Um, <laughs> Oh dear. Again. Yeah. Rashad Ritchie. Rashad Ritchie. Yeah. I watched it again mm-hmm. today. Oh, he's a Turk? I didn't know that. Yeah. They're, so they're like, I guess, like a, a show affiliated Young Turks with Network. The Young Turks Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched it when it came out a couple of weeks ago. But I watched it again today just because I wanted to refresh my memory on it. But man, it's, it's a little frustrating to watch because I feel like he was like talking at you more than with you or really listening to what you were saying and some of the comments just really really rubbed me the wrong way like you know where did this guy come from he's using words he cannot pronounce nor articulate accurately now personally i think i think pedagogy or pedagogy is a perfectly reasonable pronunciation in uh, either case also i have an issue with people who just like get really pedantic yeah who who nitpick things like that in the middle of like a a complicated subject that you're discussing they kind of hone in on something like that like you mispronouncing a word another thing too that you know was told to me many years ago and i found it to be true is that people tend to mispronounce words that they learned from reading but never actually hearing the words and that we shouldn't really look down on people when they use a big word or something that they mispronounce because it probably means they learned it from reading it in a book rather than than hearing it. And mm-hmm. so I, that was one of the points I wanted to make. But just people calling you like Black Ben Shapiro and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like these are the people who are supposed to be anti-racist and then using this language that I find just really like stereotypical. Let me see, actually, what is what, let me see what the duck duck ghost says. Oh yeah. Pedagogy. Pedagogy. I mean, whatever pedagogy, pedagogy, it's not that different. Like, I don't even. I don't know. Potato, or, potato. Yeah, potato, yeah. potato. It's like, <laughs> why nitpick that in the middle of these really complex, complex things? And another thing too is like people saying that like you're pedantic or or you're you're using all these complicated words but saying nothing. And it's like, is that really what it is, or well, is it just they didn't listen to what? Maybe was they're not said. listening. Maybe they're not understanding what you're saying. But in, how can you sum up these incredibly complicated, complex subjects into a simplified form? I feel like a lot of these SJW type woke leftists speak in slogans. They they speak in these very simplified catchphrases almost and then when mm-hmm. someone actually approaches them with you know a complex analysis of something they're just like oh he's it's word salad he's saying a bunch of things without saying anything it's like no maybe you're just not understanding what's being said and you're not understanding the nuance and the uh, the complexity of the subjects that are being discussed but yeah i just mm-hmm. wanted to kick off with that and kind of get some of your reflections on what that debate was like for you yeah, so let's start with Dr. Ritchie himself, the ringmaster, because I think that whenever you that. have these kind of uh, the, 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 whenever you have these kinds of interactions, you should probably look at the person um, who is leading them. I always say, and I've said on this show, I think a few times, that human beings are simply vessels for values and ideas, and sometimes people will take that truth and they'll overextend it 
and they'll presume that the whole of the human being is simply a vessel for a value and not anything else. Because values and ideas, in my opinion, are secondary to the concept of our existence. We all exist, and there are multitudes of our existence that follow that the fact of that existence. And I think that values and ideas or adopting certain values and adopting certain ideas is one of those multitudes, but it's not the entirety of those multitudes. But folks will oftentimes categorize people in terms of the ideas they represent without categorizing them, instead of categorizing them rather, as the human being that they are. And I think that that's what Rashad Richie's audience is doing to him. Um, because they see him as the person who goes in and smacks down people who hold, in their opinion, irrational or racist or oppressive beliefs against certain groups of people. And they view him as a sort of uh, a vindicator of what they believe. Now, everyone on every political uh, every political side has a vindicator of what yeah. they believe, even libertarians like myself. We have vindicators. Uh, for some people, I am their vindicator of what they believe, and that's, that's great. Uh, but the problem with that is people oftentimes cannot divorce their ideas from the person because people themselves have flaws. And therefore, that stops them from seeing that person's flaws, or in this case, the flaws in their argument. Yeah. Richie was playing like a sophist. He was playing like a sophist. Um, you guys mentioned a few things. The Mentioning my mispronunciation of the word instead of actually addressing um, the concept of the proposition I use that word to further is classic sophistry. Because it, a sophistry is meant to obfuscate, to make things um, a little, to, to take away from the broader point and make things intentionally harder to understand. Mm-hmm. This is why when Socrates um, dealt with the sophists in his day, uh, whether it was someone like Euthyphro, uh, and this is where the Euthyphro problem comes, and he asked them questions. They really couldn't justify it to his satisfaction because they had never really been asked to justify it before, or most of the audiences they had been in front of were actually quite amendable to that which soothed their ears, but not that which actually addresses the contents of the soul, that which enriches their understanding of the world, that 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 truth value at least yeah well, um so when you people, like you said vindicators people who i guess confirm uh-huh. the ideas that they already had it reminds me of something uh-huh. else you said too last time you were on here when we were talking about jordan peterson that people you know tend to uh put on someone else's armor and i love mm-hmm. that analogy to you know and fight in that armor and i'm sure there may be people who do that for you now and you're like they use your armor and put it on but same with you know Rashad Richie that they see people like him and they they turn to him to be vindicated and then they sort of argue mm-hmm. by putting on the armor of what these is, people instead exactly, of being individuals what exactly is his background i didn't i don't really i didn't catch that uh, he is a p he has a phd in education or something uh, he is going for his law degree at some school in atlanta john marshall law school i think which i won't address his pedigree because in my opinion all, all that pretty pretty shallow stuff but there's have material about there if you want my personal opinion so but we won't even we, we won't talk about that yeah um but back to uh back to what he represented in that debate um you know uh see he was being a sophist um he was insistent and i called this out the debate moving the goalposts um because he never wanted to commit to answering my argument when I said that it's unlikely that in the, multi- in, in, in the presence of the existence of a multitude of factors that could explain a disparity, that racism was the sole cause or the primary cause or a cause at all, he, instead of actually acknowledging that and addressing it, he said, well, it could still be racism, all right? And, and one, of my, one of my friends pointed out to me something that I should have pointed out to him, that that's not how the burden of proof works. The burden of proof is on the claimant. 
So if I say um, that lightning strike that just happened, that just flashed across the sky and illuminated my eyeballs with, you know, you know, with light, that was that was possibly caused by a host of reactions in the atmosphere, um, which lead um, to the production of thunderstorms and the production of lightning. And, and there may have been other things that contribute to that, whether it's the humidity, whether it's, you know, all this science stuff. And someone said, okay, but that doesn't mean that God didn't cause it, right? I mean, it still could be God, right? That's just a stupid, that's just a yeah. stupid answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's the gaps fallacy. It's that if I can't, if I can't commit to a single answer, it has to be one that's more available to me. That's not the pursuit of truth that's the pursuit of your own bias yeah so that's precisely what he was doing he was shifting the burden of proof which is fallacious and he was assuming something he was assuming that his proposition was correct without actually testing that fires a debate yeah so but to his audience that seems like a winning tactic now look i can a fair shake to everyone i have debated many people in my short 21 years on this earth uh and i'm sure i'm sure i'll debate many more I give everyone a fair shake. And there have been some leftists who have smoked me in the past in debates. I have enough epistemic humility and enough self-worth, you know, barely enough self-worth <laughs> to recognize that, you know. And that's okay. Because all of those debates prepared me for my discussion with Rashad Rich. She prepared me for the critical race theory debate, prepared me for every interaction that I've been in. So I give, whenever I debate someone, I try to evaluate their performance objectively. Yeah, I don't care if I didn't agree with him or not. How did he actually do? Rashad Fitchie was, was, was pulling out all the rhetorical tricks and had none of the substance behind him to justify them. Yeah. So, like I said, they're, they're you know. taking really complicated subjects that are nuanced and they're they're trying to reduce them to something simple like it must just be racism when like you said there's probably mm -hmm. a multitude of factors and there is i think a multitude of factors to explain some of the disparities that happen like a lot of the leftists don't want to talk about some of the issues in black culture and this is one of the things mm -hmm. that many on the right mm -hmm. tend to acknowledge and when you acknowledge these things they're just like oh well that's a right-wing talking point or yes black on black crime that's that's that means you're just racist you know and it's like no these these are really real issues that need to be addressed and factor into why there right. is that disparity and to just not address them or to just sweep them under the rug it's like it doesn't it doesn't help your arguments it makes it seem like you just don't want to face the reality of some of those points you know like the welfare yeah, yeah. For example like i yeah. understand there are situations where welfare is like helpful and needed i'm a child of welfare my mom has cerebral palsy she was someone who really needed that help that government assistance so i think there there are legitimate cases but to say that there isn't like a statistical reality that fatherlessness has increased and not just in the black community, but like across the board since the welfare state has been instituted, you can't just ignore those realities and act like there's no relationship at all. You know, it just, it eliminates the nuance. And that's an example of sophistry. It's, it's, it's a fallacious argument. Yes. And it's not, it's not going to help, you know, to not acknowledge these things. It's really not. Well, it helps them because it, drives it makes them look good to their audience because their sure. argument isn't about sure. achieving the truth which is something you know that we try to do their argument is more about you know scoring the gotchas it's trying yeah. to score points it's trying to convince the naive or those who haven't really looked deep into it because they're not 
they're not, again, they're not looking for the truth. They're looking to bolster their self-image in front of, mm. you know, their audience or a group of people because they're, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you boil it down to it, you know, they're, they're getting paid. You know, I'm sure he makes a nice penny on the Young Turks. I heard that Young Turks got, gets funded yeah. to the tune of several hundred millions of dollars. I mean, I'll give the benefit of the doubt, like Christian said, and I'm sure there are a lot of them. At this point, I won't. I mean, you know, I'm kind of, what I mean I'm is a I'm little sh- tired of the, this whole like, you know, this, this game of gotcha, which it really seems to have come more to the forefront in the social media environment, where, you know, we respond to each other in these short little blips of text. And it, it the, the environment there has sort of encouraged this form of argumentation, uh, which again, it's, it's very fallacious. It's based on creating the appearance of a win instead of actually drilling, you know, the intellectual content or, or, uh, distilling the intellectual content under discussion down to get to the truth, which is, you know, like the, 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 the refined product of yeah. intellectual debate. The goal is to win where like, rather than to get closer to a, a better understanding of something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it shows we'll that we have, we have different value. We're operating with different value systems. Yeah. We're, we're after the truth. They're after a win. Yeah. And w- when we confront people like that, it comes, it becomes very uh, prudent for us to point that out. Yeah. Because that's, you know, it, again, that's what we're after. We're after the truth of the situation. We're after what's actually happening here. I think, mm. you know, you just kind of have to be able mm. to read a situation too, like, and try mm. to determine if the motives of the person you're talking to are really true. And then to just walk away sometimes and, and not waste your energy mm. or, or maybe be a little mm. harsh. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about is like, people have different styles. And, you know, you're, you're very smooth, you're very uh, articulate and intellectual. And people like me, I mean, I can be that way. But often, I'm just like, you know what, fuck off. <laughs> and that's me, you know, and that's, sometimes I think that's necessary. I think there are certain people who they're not willing to have a real conversation. They're just trying to play gotcha, like you said. And it does get to a point where you just got to tell these people to shove it and just walk away from that because you're you're arguing with a brick wall. You're arguing with someone who isn't trying to get to the truth. They're trying to win. Yeah. You guys spend too much time on Twitter just like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way too much time on Twitter. Guys. Yeah. Let's, let's dial back a little. Let's dial back a little. Um, so, no, 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 it's all right. Hey, I spend a lot. Of, you guys see how political I am on Twitter. I spend too much time on that damn app. You know, I it's a, too I much it's an issue for many people in the modern world, and especially after, it's dopamine. After, after lockdowns and stuff, too, after many people were confined more to the digital space. I think, yeah. yes, a lot of us kind of fell into interacting more on the digital space and having these conversations there rather than in person or like like this. You know? Even before, I think social media yeah. has been a very uh, infectious force in the way we, con- we conversate. Yeah. It's been happening since like the early 2000s, late, well, late 90s, you really have this kind of infrastructure. Now, you guys were, were around and I wasn't yeah. around then, but from what I understand, you had like MSN, you had... Uh, you know, with chat rooms, which are a very rudimentary. Yeah, yeah, instant messenger <laughs> where all the pedophiles went. Yeah, yeah, you had all, you had all that kind of stuff. Uh, not saying anyone who used it was a pedophile, but pedophiles were notorious for using those kind of services when uh, the first came out. Um, and you know, eventually it 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 evolved and it went into something a little bit more sophisticated. And now our entire existence is on. So you know, this has been a problem for a while. But back to the point about people on the left or people who act like like this, just wanting to win. I'm not oh, sure how right true that is. They're on the right. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how true. I don't, I think that it's okay. So there are many different ways of getting the truth, I think. 
And there may be some people who are convinced that their way is the best. Now, if we say they're playing a game, that implies some level of intention on their part. Um, because if I'm playing a game and I don't know I'm playing a game, I, am I really playing that game? Well, maybe I'm playing the game, but am I playing like, you know, someone else play a game? Am I playing like an Olympian would play the game? Because an Olympian knows they're playing a game. They've trained for it for years. They get up early in the morning. They run. They eat, run, eat, or whatever they do. Swim. Michael Phelps swam for hours upon hours. I can't imagine doing that. My bones would be aching. But, you know, yeah. that's, but anyway, that's different. But anyway, they know they're playing a game. But there may be some folks who have been roped and tied up into this mediocre mentality which pervades our politics so much so that they're convinced of their own benevolence, taking themselves wise, they become full, as the old psalm says. So I think we should give folks the benefit of the doubt before assuming that they are playing a game. Some folks are playing a game, and I'll, I'll name names. I think someone like Charlie Kirk is playing a game. He's absolutely playing a game. I think, so, I'll, I'll name names. I think, I think someone uh, like David Hogg is playing a game. I think yeah. someone <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there are just some oh, I people agree with that one. which is so obvious. They're so obvious. And I don't, I, I probably agree on Charlie's professed opinions yeah, 80, 70% things. of the time. I, I, I probably agree. I, I think his lack of empathy towards immigrants is distasteful. I think that his uh, in, uh, inability to engage someone without classic rhetorical tricks is distasteful. But I probably agree with a lot of his professed positions. Uh, whereas I probably don't agree with David Hogg on anything. But I think you can easily tell David Hogg is just saying things, throwing bombs to beat the other side, to own the other side. Bombs that only, don't even make any sense. They're not even dumb bombs. They're like the grade below dumb bombs. And they don't even hit their, not only do they not hit their target, they don't even explode. They just pop like on the just ground. Capitalizing <laughs> yeah. on tragedy, to be honest. That was. Yes, exactly what he was doing. That's exactly what he was doing. So, yeah, I mean, there are people out there, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, quote, unquote grifters, right? I hate, I hate that word. But they exist. They do. And there are some pretty prominent ones. But even they may have convinced themselves that they're not playing a game. They're doing something a little bit noble. So I, I think that we should just keep that in mind. Um, I, do I think Rashad Ritchie is playing a game with his guests? I think he is. With his opinions, I think he probably believes he's doing good work by using rhetorical ammunition, rhetorical firepower to rain hell upon people who dare grace his lair. I should have probably used a dragon analogy with that one, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says the bullpen. I mean, yeah. and, uh, anyway, uh, uh, that was, I personally didn't feel like I was dealing with the bull, but anyway. Oh, well, I was dealing with bull, but that's a different kind of bull. Anyway, anyway that's, that, that's a different story. But anyway, um, you know, so I think that he is not an honest broker in how he deals with people, but he probably really believes everything he's saying. I can say that for 100% certainty. Yeah. He probably does. And the question becomes, okay, if someone believes what they're saying, but they're willing to play games to get their point across, not do it honestly, should we really consider them too much of a, what is it, a fraud? Yeah. I don't think she ever says, hey, I want to have an honest conversation with you. He always says, welcome to the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I, I, I mean, that implies a few things. Yeah, I mean, at least that implies the conversation. It. 
you know? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He, he does not hide anything. Yeah. He is out for blood. And I don't think I'm going to get invited back, personally. Um, because I think I handled him much better than many of his other guests have. A lot of his guests are clueless people who cling to talking points and have no understanding of logic or argumentation in its proper sense. They know how to argue, but rough, chaotic, unstructured argumentation is not is a, a little bit more useful than screaming, but not too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and screaming can be useful when someone shuts someone down, but the risk with that is, um, you know, people always pop up again. And, and, and your voice gets tired after a while. Yeah. And you won't be able to scream eventually. You have to talk. And when you've been on the level of screaming your entire life and you're forced um, through circumstance to get down the level of talking, your entire calculus changes. And if you are just a professional screamer, your brand falls apart. This is why, this is why, uh, this is why. I, I know it's worked for Alex people. Jones pretty well. <laughs> well, okay. That is his brand. So, yeah well yeah he screams a lot yeah i always compare him he, to he knows like a, he reminds me of he knows a how to talk he reminds me of like a wrestler like a professional wrestler like the global yeah <laughs> but he knows how to talk though that's the thing about he, he knows how to talk he knows how to get down and just have a calm conversation sometimes um anyway that that's anyway but a lot of people are used to shouting people down that's how things work. Almost every major public intellectual who has been any at least consequential in the past decade or so, especially from 2015 onwards, have been shut down. Yeah. Um, but those people can't engage in a deeper conversation because they're too good at shutting people down, not, not, not good enough at listening. Yeah. So, um, and some Richie, can handle though. it better than others, too. You know, like to go back, yeah. to, go back to Pearson yeah. really quick, because I do like him. I like him a lot. He's dealt with this stuff really well, man. And he's been shouted down. I've seen him in situations and it's just like, I, it's like, I don't know if I would have been able to stay calm, you know, in certain situations mm. that in debates that he's mm. been in and to have some mm. of the accusations put against him that have been put against him. But, you know, I respect that a lot too, for people who are able to be shouted down, but still keep their cool, you know? Mm. Yeah. But uh, so Richie though, listen, he listens very closely and he engages with people on a intellectually apparent level and a sort of on a level that appears to be very intellectual and deep, but really shallow and superficial. Well, that's what they were accusing. So, of. That's what his, his followers were. Well, uh, now let's talk about that though. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You know, let's yeah. still with that. So I've gotten a few criticisms from his followers. Number one, I don't understand statistics. Now, I'll be, I'll admit, I'll admit to you, I'm not a genius level statistician. I'm not uh, Eric or Brett Weinstein. Uh, I'm not any of those people. I'm not, I'm not Elon Musk. You, you, you couldn't give me a sort of computational formula and tell me to construct a giant structure from that because I would just shake my head and and just walk away and cry. Well, you, go you put go somewhere a tweet out. You put but, a good tweet but, out about but, this. Actually, what? after these oh. accusations, um, yeah. I'm going to just read it really quick. You said, okay, here's one thing I will never understand for the life of me. Why are some people comfortable with comparing my style slash commentary to dismissing yep. my style due to my age and tell me to live up to someone else's example? I am Christian. Walker, now, and that won't change. Right. Anymore. Right. Exactly. That's what I was going to get to. So I may not be able to do all those impressive things, but I do have the ability to approach data and understand the nuances of data somewhat 
and deduce certain things from that data. That does not require me to have a degree in statistics. It requires me to understand variables and things that go into measuring a study. Many things of which the researchers for any given study let you know, hey, we control for this, we didn't control for this. So learning a little bit of terminology can make someone really good at understanding, at least at a very basic level, stats. So that was one of the criticisms. Christian Moss does not understand stats. Well, no, I I don't understand stats like, like, like Elon Musk does, but I can understand it like, someone who looks at something and can has basic powers of deduction can. So that, that gives me enough ability to engage with them critically in a conversation at a certain level. Now, my brand is not to engage people with stats and facts. That's Ben Shapiro's brand, which yeah. is why I'm also kind of confused that people are comparing me to yeah. him because I don't even listen to him. I don't even, I, I can't even remember the last time, like a few months ago, I listened to him. I don't listen to Ben Shapiro. Yeah. I, I don't hate him. I'm not against Ben Shapiro. He seems like a nice guy, but I don't listen to him. I have no interest. I'm being a little too honest. I, I have no interest at all um, in listening to him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, it's not anything against him personally. It's that I don't like to listen to my competition. I can just do my own thing, maintain my own style, hold my own style, and go forth with that. If I listen to my competition, I may subconsciously adopt some of their tics and mannerisms sure and that would legitimately leave me open to the criticism oh you're like ben shapiro aren't you no no i'm not now i do listen to some people like mark levin if you guys know who that is Name uh mark sure. levin yeah mark levin i will listen to him uh he's pretty pretty big guy one of the top conservative radio personalities um show on fox and everything i listen to him sometime i think he's thinking i think he's good you know I, I don't listen to him to emulate him or anything i listen to him just to hear how the talk radio world is doing i used to listen to michael savage used to don't do that anymore uh i used to listen to bill o'reilly a lot when i was younger 14 15 i actually would turn on uh, the o'reilly factor and i listen that'd be my show um so there are some folks i used to listen to um but more recently the only commentary that i listened to is a guy called william f buckley who in my opinion is the gold standard for how any commentator should engage in the public realm and this guy would would, would just occasionally quote tertullian and aristotle while talking to jurists and governors i mean if folks who want to see i encourage you to go look up his conversation with uh jerry brown on his show firing line and that conversation is fascinating. It was about United States jurisprudence. And yet ancient Roman authors and other kinds of people just came up randomly. Yeah, so philosophy, those are the kind of folks. Philosophy is a big thing for you. And you tweeted something else out too about that, that you know, when you start to divert and talk about philosophy, instead of just talking about CRT, you're noticing that some people are kind of falling off or, or not hearing you anymore. And it's like, Right. It's like, what did you think this, you know, what did you think Christian Watson was about? Like that I just talk about CRT and that's the only thing that right. I talk about. And even you're right, addressing exactly. CRT, you're very much addressing it from a philosophical perspective. And that's what you've yeah. been doing. So okay. Steve William F. Buckley Jr. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, yeah that's, that's, him. that's him. That that guy is he is single-handedly responsible for creating modern day American conservatism. Um, and he actually became much more libertarian and close to the end of his life. He did a debate, a very good debate with a congressman called Chuck Rangel, a black congressman, a black Democratic 
progressive congressman who is actually responsible for the disparity between crack, crack and powder cocaine rates. Um, I mean, a lot of folks say that that's a systemically racist thing. No, 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 no. Chuck Rangel was on Nixon's drug panels pushing for harsher sentences for crack cocaine because this community in New York was being ravaged by the crack epidemic in the 70s and in the 80s. Him and the Congressional Black Caucus are responsible for those rates. So I don't like people saying, well, that's racism. Was it? Or was it a bunch of people who misguidedly were concerned for their community and thought that the deploying government force would be the best way to rectify what is a character flaw, or what is a sort of spiritual illness, in my opinion, taking hard drugs like that? I think that's what it was. It was a misguided attempt to correct the human being through force which rarely ever works and is most of the time, actually almost all the time, immoral. So that was that. But back to what I was saying before, I've almost lost my train of thought here. Um, yes, okay. So on the on the uh, the style thing about me, Vince Pearl, all that kind of stuff, a lot of people are only able to com- conceptualize someone in light of someone else. So if they hear someone who may have incidentally the mannerisms or the whatever of someone else, like Ben Shapiro, like my voice talking fast, whatever, or me having a light voice, that must mean that they're trying to emulate them. They don't consider the possibility that my voice is just naturally yeah. light. I'm a, I'm a tenor. I mean, uh, and it served me pretty well too because I could sing quite a few songs. But they also bring. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to sing if I wasn't. <laughs> they bring words <laughs> into this though, as if the way you um, speak has to be like due to a particular race. So you're emulating being right. white and or acting black. Yeah, or and acting black. When I was young, you know, and growing up where I was growing up, you know, I heard those accusations all the time. You know, and I grew up in, in a pretty, you know, urban sort of environment and there was you know a lot of gang activity and stuff like that but mm-hmm. you know any any black friends i had who did not speak in ebonics and and use these sort of slang they were always accused mm-hmm. of acting white and talking white and i'm just like how do you act the color i mean how do you talk the color racist. it's I, I it is you know and so <laughs> so it's so, so funny so, to see yeah. these folks who claim to be anti-racist saying these things that i find to be rather racist so here was mm-hmm. one tweet i'm going to read really quick there's someone who said this to you they said and you responded this wow i just saw your lies about crt i hope your owners are pleased with your behavior mm-hmm. you are a disgrace mm-hmm. to everyone else That's stop racist. lying <laughs> makes me wonder if your mother raised you to be a liar like so racist your own mm-hmm. what the hell is mm-hmm. that supposed to mean you know yeah i apparently i have owners I, yeah. this is new to me this is this is news to me, man. This is news to me. Yeah, no. Uh, hey, I'm I'm broke, man. This is I, I wish I okay. I'm, I won't even get into that. Yeah, but, no, no. In all seriousness, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I am a self governing individual. Now there are some there are some gay men who are into that owning stuff, and I'm not. I'm I won't, won't get down that road, but I'm yeah. not into all that stuff. You know, I'm not into the super daddy not get into nonsense. That. Okay. All right. Sorry. Okay. Moving, moving back to uh, the comment. Hey, I'm sorry, man. My mind is a very uh, dynamic force. Yeah. Uh, it goes everywhere sometimes. Um, but, uh, but uh, um, yeah, so this idea of acting black, which is a very interesting idea, is actually an idea that I'm going to be, and I've not announced this yet. So I'm announced to you guys and the formal announcement will come out next week. But um I'm going to be going on a speaking tour. Well, okay, I say a tour. I'm going to be going on a speaking tour around college campuses this fall. Awesome. Talking about 
the concept of acting Black. And I'm going to philosophically dissect that. And the title of my speech is Why I Will Not Act Black. <laughs> and so, uh, oh, yeah. So I expect to get quite a bit of reaction. Oh, yeah. But You're I'm, not, I'm, not simply, I'm not simply trying to be incendiary. I'm trying to put something in front of someone's eyes in such a striking way that makes them reconsider their preconceptions. Because there are a lot of folks who do have concept, preconceptions of how certain people should act. And a lot of them happen to be leftist. Let's we'll talk about implicit bias or racial bias. But a lot of them cling to the stereotypical depiction of what black is, what blackness is. Um, there was Fred Moten, the critical theorist, who said that blackness is this sort of contradictory political force, which uh, represents the immense value of someone's existence. He calls it an ontological condition. And this idea, the deeper you get into uh, critical literature, is, is quite, it's quite profound and it's, well, not profound, it's quite prominent rather. And this is the, the tree from which the root of the idea of anti-blackness comes from. So the idea is that there are certain interests that are descriptively, quote unquote, black, because blackness is a social condition, a political condition. And therefore, if there are certain policies or certain actions or beliefs that go against those political or social conditions, you guys already know, he was doing a hand signal, they yeah, must no, be anti-black. Right. Yep. Yep. That's all it is. That's all it is. It is an attempt to describe a physical characteristic by layer, lathering it with political traffic. Yeah, all it is. Um, it's actually but, a brilliant course, rhetorical maneuver. It is. It is. It's clever. It's, yeah. it's I wish it was just rhetorical. I wish it was just rhetorical, though. It's There's an entire field of study where people derive their money and their livelihood from talking about quote unquote blackness or anti blackness. Right. And we understand the problem with giving descriptions to, to physical characteristics. Most of the time, they have no real world descriptions, they have no substantive descriptions. These are all incidental. And when you have this sort of social constructionist mentality, which puts an emphasis on on norm on how norms shape the human being, uh, rather than how the will or the rational soul shapes the human being, the human being almost becomes entirely about norms. And if you really want to take that up the ante in that relationship, the human being becomes about supplanting norms. Um, this is the entire basis for fields like queer theory, this sort of attack against heterosexual normativity, which apparently uh, oppresses um, gay folks, this sort of attack against white supremacy, which apparently oppresses black folks, the sort of attack against colonialism, which apparently oppresses people around the world, whether they're in Africa or South America, um, the attack against um, runaway capitalism, which is a uh, essay from the 1619 Project, which says that runaway capitalism has harmed minorities and people who are outside of the white power structure, it all goes back to a single principle, making physical characteristics descriptive, as opposed to making the contents of my soul descriptive. And that false conflation, or that lack of a conflation, is probably say, um, misses the entire point of existence. It does misses the entire everyone. point. Yeah, it does harm to everyone. It, right. it ignores. Let's talk to everyone. The individual yes, it does individual nuance, right? The complexity of, of each and, person and, and, experience. And, Right. And I'm not just saying that the reality is about the individual because it's not. There are plenty of things in this world that have nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing to do with me that are beyond me, that are beyond my capacity to even understand. Yeah. Reality is about complexity. 
part of that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. And then the second part of that is how we interact with complexity. So the individual is sort of secondary to the fact of existence. We all exist, yes, but existence precedes all of us. At least I think it does. Now there are some folks who think that existence is just in our mind, a product of our thinking. Yeah, so- and, solipsism. You know, yeah. Yeah. So those are solipsism, and those are the also uh, the uh, the deconstructionists who don't believe in any sort of objective concepts. Yeah. So. I mean, those people exist, but I think that they're self-evidently wrong. Existence is more than just about me. Um, back to the uh, style thing, because I really want to hammer this point home. Um, you know, um, so everyone that comes into this arena has their own quirks, yeah. their own beliefs, their own way of approaching things. And I think even people on the right have a tendency to compare other right-leaning people to people who they admire. There have been folks who have told me, Christian, you need to go ahead, go ahead and go to graduate school because I can see you being the next Thomas Sowell. Yeah. Well, you know, if I wanted to live my life in someone else's shadow, I could just, you know, I don't even go there. I won't even mention names. Yeah, you, there are plenty of other folks about that who, who, I, too, right? who I have access. Yeah, there are plenty of other folks who have access. Who I have access to who I can just live in their shadow. And I'll just let you guys take that where you want to take that in your mind. Yeah. Well, you tweeted about um, it too. You, you, said, know, you said some have suggested my interests in commentary would be best served by a more academic path, i.e. grad school. Mm-hmm. It seems foolish to me to forsake the comfortability of self-learning for a decided yep. political process that'll detract from the pursuit for truth. I'll pass. That's right. That's that's 100% correct. Academia is nothing more than a political machine which prides certain actions over other kind of certain actions. And oftentimes those actions are not conducive to the truth. If you want proof, you guys already have proof of this. Just look at the the sort of the things that are coming out of academia today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether it's the uh, Sokol um, project. Um, I, think, I think it was a Sokol project. The, 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 the hoax, the hoax that basically submitted all these ridiculous, you know, jargon-laden papers to these academic inst- uh, publications, oh, and yeah, they got yeah. in. Wasn't that James, I mean, Lindsay? James Lindsay? Yeah. yeah, James Lindsay worked on that. With a bunch he liked of one of my yeah, tweets on the other day. I was so excited. <laughs> I felt seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god, James is James is, a, is a, James is a great person. Yeah. I'm going to be speaking with him. I would love September sixteenth. Oh, that's going to be fun. I'm a, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm actually going to be like speaking in person with like. Uh, okay, so I'm not going to be speaking. Okay, so. We're going to be giving speeches in the same room okay. in Green Bay, Wisconsin, September 16th. I have interviewed him though on my Very channel. Exciting. So he's he's a he's a great great person. We talked about Nietzsche and moral relativism and nihilism and individualism and libertarian. We went we went everywhere. Yeah, um, we went he really seems to understand. He seems to understand this, you know, critical race theory stuff more than most people. And he's really he's really dug into it. He's dealt with the literature. He's read all of their books and stuff. And and he gets a lot, yeah. a lot of hate on the internet. So I see him mm. so much hater. <laughs> I think, I think, I think he could work on his Twitter persona, in my opinion. Uh, Again, it goes uh, back to the that... thing of styles. You know, I think some some people. I think I think it's important to yeah. have different styles, and and maybe sure. your method might reach certain people, whereas other people who might be willing to listen to these things, your method might not reach them. Whereas someone's method, like James Lindsay or ours, might reach them better. For example, or Gato. This is not a matter of style. This is less of a matter of style and more of a matter of decorum. Okay. I think, regardless of what your style is, you should have decorum inherent into it. Now, there are some folks think that that's nonsense. That doesn't work. That's fine. But I think that if you want to make substantive change, we do exist in a civilization. 
And there are basic things that you have to do. The natural law theorists call it the sociability of man to appear amendable to other people in some way, shape, or form. And when you're in the business of ideas, you're trying to make your ideas appeal to people or get them to see the merits of your proposals. And if they're too distracted by bombast and rudeness, they're going to completely forget about your ideas. Or better yet, they'll remember your ideas, but they'll associate them with you. And whenever they go to someone else or the same ideas, what happens? Oh, well, that person believes that. Therefore, it's the guilt by association fallacy. Right. These are our associative qualities that human beings have. So, I mean, look, James, I love him. He knows I love him. I, I, I admire him. I love him. He, and we actually talked about this on my show when I had him on. And I encourage you guys to watch it, by the way. It was yeah, really interesting. I, yeah, so but he, I didn't even know you chatted yeah, with him. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, he said to me, well, my, my Twitter persona is a bit like Neo in the Matrix. No, I, I like I like Neo. I, I, I like Keanu Reeves a lot. So oh, I, 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 I smile. Big fans, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like Keanu Reeves a lot. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm smiling too much, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Oh, so, smiling too. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so yeah, when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm listening now. Um, and he's like, I'm like Neo, you know. I go into this space and I'm just smashing down all the norms, turning on everything, but it's not real. It's not real. Like that is real. It's real in a different sense, but it's not real. And so that's what I exist to do. That was his explanation using a matrix analogy. And if you think about it, the matrix is primarily about how revelations and perceptions can cause discomfort. How seeing things that have been there, but are concealed because we don't take, we don't appear under the surface may cause us to be shocked and it may cause us to do things that seem crazy to people who are entrapped by the same false things that we were entrapped by, but are actually rational and sane. Now with James Lindsay, I don't know exactly how all of his conduct on Twitter fits into that, but I do think there's some merit to it if you understand it in terms of the matrix yeah. and perception and reality. I agree. I also you know? think there's so merit I... to satire and, and poking fun at things sometimes. And sometimes I think that is the only way to kind of cut through the bullshit to something. And people like, you know, James Lindsay, I think do that fairly well. But like you said, I can see why the bombast would also like turn certain people off who might be willing to listen, but then they see that and they're like, oh, well, that guy's rude or that guy's an asshole. So his ideas must be a bunch of bullshit. Right. Or someone who say who curses like me more, they might be like, oh, well, he's, you know, I'm not going to take him seriously. He just sounds angry all the time. So but yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. I think that reaches certain people who may not have yeah, been yeah. able to be reached otherwise, if, if that makes yeah, you know who, sense. You I know think who Salty Cracker is, right? Sometimes. What was that? You know who Salty Cracker is, right? What is that? Salty Cracker. He's this that- YouTuber, very popular youtuber who's been shadow banned actually uh, and his entire brand is just being rude cursing you know and he has like <laughs> 500 oh hey hey i, I, I like gay toad we love him <laughs> I, 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 I like gay toad and mikey just fine again i, I haven't heard you know, the style thing too you know but, to check out some of his videos but yeah i i i, I really like uh I think I think both of them um look they also they serve a purpose too. Yeah, that's a very I, mean. I think that's what I'm trying to get to is that 
not everyone is going to be purpose. Christian Watson sitting here with the translations of Socrates on his desk. That's, not everyone's going to be like Caitlin that. that same exact copy for her birthday. <laughs> yes, that's a good yeah. copy. That, that, that's a good translation. Yeah. Um, there's also a uh, Penguin translation, which is good in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of good Platonic translations. Um, you know, Plato is the place to start, I think, if you want to explore Russian philosophy. I think maybe... Uh, Lao Tzu is the place to start for Eastern philosophy. Yes, I love but this Lao is a good Tzu. translation. I love Lao Tzu. Yeah, this is a, this is a very a very good translation. Um, anyway, besides my philosophy nerd stuff, um, not everyone can be not everyone wants to be Christian Watson, and there are some folks who are like Christian. You're you're preaching too much to me. I had this I conversation with someone too, earlier. Yeah. I think you guys, yeah, it's like Christian. You're preaching to me. Don't preach to me, man. I'm like, bye. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. for, for a good no, no, no really for a good majority of my life. I won't be vulgar. I was going to say something, but I have bowed down and gotten on my knees and groveled before the sensibilities of those around me. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. It's not worth it because I know what I want in life. I know, well, I know most of what I want in life. I assume that can change, but I know what I want it in will. life right now. It'll and uh, <laughs> I, I know what I want in life right Well, okay. I shouldn't say such a broad statement because life is a very, if you're doing it right, it's supposed to be a very pretty long thing. Um, or at least dynamic compared to our, uh, our, our animal ancestors. Yeah, and our dynamic experience. So I know what I want in a career. And a career is only one aspect of life, of course, obviously. Life is much more than just a damn career. For sure. If, 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 I mean, the problem is so many folks devote themselves solely to their career. When that goes away, they have nothing left. Yep. That's dangerous as hell. Gotta stay away from that shit. Excuse my language. We gotta stay away from that, seriously. No, we don't mind. Um, so, <laughs> well, so... I think so, that's the first so I, I heard from you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I know what I want out of a career. And I know that for to get what I want out of a career, I I I need to keep I need I need to stay true to myself. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I do preach. I my style is influenced by the preachers I watched growing growing up. I watched people like T D Jakes growing up. I watched people like that growing up. I watched um, a lot of televangelists. I don't watch them anymore because I think most of them are scam artists and they're just using they their pulpit to get money and they're talking about money, 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 money. And I'm not, in, not into all that crap. I want well, when I talk about ML, spiritual yeah, knowledge, I'm okay. Look at MLK. I mean, what was he doing? He was, yeah, well, so there's an effectiveness yeah, he, to preach. He was preaching, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, you know, he was a I haven't so. really listened to, yeah, I haven't listened to MLK that much, in all honesty. I've listened to a few of his stuff, but. Um, I've read more MK than I've listened to him. Okay. I've read much more than okay. I listen to him. Um, so yeah, so not everyone's gonna like my style. And, and I think the comment about people comparing me to Ben Shapiro, part of that was influenced by the young Turks comments, although not all of it or most of it, because ultimately the young Turks comments are they're a microcosm of something a little bit deeper. Um, they're a microcosm of, of, of minds that cannot critically engage with opposing ideas. And so I don't really take them too seriously. Some of those comments were actually in response to people in my own audience. Some people in my own audience were like Christian. Next time you talk about critical race theory or whatever, you know, they'll look at Wilford Riley. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? They're like, you need to go and watch his stuff before you open your mouth about this topic again. I'm like, well, first of all, I know Wilford. I've talked to Wilford. I've been on a panel with Wilford. I've had a debate. Both for the debate, not debating him exactly. Call it the Braver Angels debate. I encourage everyone to go look it up. 
I'm very familiar with Wilford. I want, I follow his Twitter. I've seen his interviews. Wilford Riley is sure as hell Let's get back. not Christian right. Watson. Yeah, yeah. Wilford Riley is sure as hell not Christian Watson. Not, not at all. Brave Angel and debate. He, Braver Angels debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, should be on YouTube. But yeah, so Wilford was in that debate, and he, I think he did well. He represented his position well. But for someone who's in my audience to have the audacity to tell to me, you need to go ahead and like me be more like this guy. Excuse me. Wilford Riley is a entirely a data person. Entirely. I have never seen Wilford make many deeper philosophical arguments. It's all about the data, all about the quote unquote facts. And hey, that style appeals to a lot of people because a lot of people give legitimacy to that kind of stuff. So I'm not knocking Wilford. I respect him. I respect that man. He is very smart. But just because he addresses CRT in a way that appeals to someone does not mean Christian Watson must also do that same thing. Yeah. Agreed. So I feel the same way about I feel the same way about myself. I, yeah. So exactly. So so styles exist and they're important. But for someone to say that to me is pretty insulting. Yeah. It's like, why do you even listen to me, man? Yeah. You have choices of thousands yeah. go, of people. Go listen to him. If you, if you know you want to hear yeah, more of that, like just go listen to him. You have thousands of people on the internet who talk in many different ways, who give commentary. And you happened upon little old Christian Watson early on in his career. And you're trying to make me to someone who you like. No, to hell with that. I'm not gonna do that. Yep. So that's what that that's what that tweet was in response to. I, I was I was somewhat angry about that. And that person had the audacity to argue with me about why I should be more like Wilford Riley. Now, it's the difference between saying, hey, Wilford makes some good points on this topic. Go ahead and maybe you can take something from him. And that's fine. That's not really what he was saying. He was saying, oh, you're young. Yeah, you you're inexperienced. And therefore, and, yeah, yeah, you're young. You're inexperienced. And therefore, you need to go ahead and listen to Wilford Riley. No, thank you. I'm okay. So... No, I mean, you know, that everyone who gets involved in this will face those kind of comparisons eventually. Gothics gets called Candace Owens. Really? Or there are people. Nothing like Candace Owens. Oh, Candace I agree. Gothics like a freaking, she's a punk chick to me. She's a rocker. Yeah. The rock star. Gothics is called, she gets called Candace Owens. I feel That's like these, these kind of comparisons are almost inevitable. I find them to be racist, oh, yeah. to be honest. It's like, I, I mm-hmm. don't... Well, I mean, one of it is ideology, and one level it is the skin color. Yeah. It's just, it's she like... it's called Candace Owens. It's like, it's oh my so God, weird. another black woman who's saying the same sorts of things Candace is saying, therefore she's copying Candace. It's like not like even Candace. the same sort. I mean, it's, it's like roughly approximate the same region of the political spectrum. Sort of, yeah. That's it. Yeah, their style is totally different. Yeah, she gets called Candace Owens all the That's time. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't believe it. I never would have made that. Comparison. Comparison. We'd love to talk to God. But we got to get her on she's here. Great. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah. No, she'll, she'll do it. She'll yeah. do it. I'm sure she will. We'll but, but yeah, she gets called Candace Owens all crazy. the time. Crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It, it's it's more than crazy. It's it's irrational. Yeah. <laughs> Rational. Yes. I mean, so so. Look, ultimately, I don't, I don't want to drive this topic out too long, but ultimately, I'm getting over the point where the comparisons bother me, because in all honesty, I know the truth. I know what I represent. I know what I stand for. 
And if people want to liken me to someone else who has nothing to do with me, that's their burden to bear, not mine. There would be a bigger issue if I convinced myself that I was like that person. Yeah. It would be a much bigger issue because then I would, I wouldn't be able to operate. So they don't bother me too much anymore. It just, yeah. it can get irritating from time to time now. Yeah. No, I, I was irritated for you. <laughs> so I was like, well, who the hell are these people yeah. saying these comments about Christian? Well, and the other thing that I noticed when I watched your discussion with, uh, what was his name? Richie. Richie, Richie yeah. Richie. I, I was curious because I the, the other kind of big CRT debate that came up across my feed was this discussion between Ben Shapiro and Malcolm Nance, I think his name is. Yes. On the Joe Mar show. Mm-hmm. And yep. I noticed very similar sophistry in the way that Nance sort of played the gotcha game with Shapiro and would dodge his, uh, his points by, by playing this game of, you know, it's, or like he would just sort of point out the fact that, you know, Ben's, you know, Ben's a particular skin color or, you know, like he, he can't actually engage in the discussion. Instead, he was playing this game of trying to get the audience to clap. And what was funny was that, you know, Ben sort of laid out his definition of CRT at the beginning, and it was a very clear and concise way of, you know, kind of explaining CRT as this idea that, you know, institutionalized racism is responsible for all of the failures of, you know, individuals in the Black community who can't get ahead or feel feel trapped or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Nance basically says, oh, well, I agree with everything you just said. The audience claps immediately. What was funny is that they didn't clap when Shapiro explained it, they clapped when he agreed with Shapiro. Yeah. So it was just it was interesting. Like they were waiting for like that, that signal or something from Nance. And it just kind of shows you really like in a, in a, in a quick blip, just, you know, what the frame, uh, the, the framework. Is it, okay? is it okay? Is it okay for me to agree with this? Okay. Well, and the okay. funny thing was he said he agreed with him and then he proceeded to argue from as if he did not. Yeah. And it was just so dishonest in that moment. I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And it was a lot of the same, like I had the same feeling when I watched you discussing uh, on the bullpen. I was just like, this is a lot of dishonest, rhetorical yeah. equivocation and dance. Yeah. But yeah, the pattern when you discuss these things with with people who are proponents of CRT. The, the, there's a reason I call it. That's for sure. They or they, they deflect it. to the narrow, legalistic, academic sort of definition. And they're like, well, it's not that. And then they're like, okay, well, let's talk about the pedagogy. Or let's talk about how Tim Pool refers to it as critical theory applied praxis or crap. Mm-hmm. It's like when they go into schools, they teach these small children you know, concepts mm-hmm. that will, you know, disadvantage, you know, the black children who hear it and will mm-hmm. also disadvantage the white children because they come, they go home from school feeling terrible mm-hmm. and thinking that their mm-hmm. parents are some sort of awful racists when that mm-hmm. is not the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's a reason I called Rashad Wachi a ring master. Everyone who's in the ring is his servant or in the audience is being wooed by his tricks. The ringmaster at a circus typically manages to woo the audience by his very exorbitant tricks, you know, blowing the fire out of the mouth, holding the fire in his hand, all these exorbitant tactics, which in a way distract from the rest of the attraction and pull the attention on him. It's like a sleight of hand. He's a performer. Yeah. He's a performance. He's a performer. 
Exactly. Exactly. Now, Malcolm Nance is just is just uh, you know he is the example of being pompous when you don't have much basis for oh, it. God, his, um, his, he may he, he may have been in the CIA and everything, but his very dismissive. I didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he was in the CIA. It's very dismissive um, tactics. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I mean, the people who work for the intelligence community. Anyway, I won't, well, I won't get into that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to start get. I don't want to start getting monitored. Uh, if not, well, already monitored. monitored. And you're on our show, so you're monitored. Uh, uh, oh, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, okay. You should take that as a badge of honor if that is the case. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it would be um, else to respond to it. But but he wasn't there to debate. Shapiro was there to debate, but I, I think Shapiro also. Let's not put him off the hook. Yeah. He had a few cheap shots too. Oh, he does that. That's and he's you really performing. Yeah. That's also oh, for sure. I uh, yeah, think yeah, he, he is. He also said, well, do you really want to listen to me about the, Mal- the Holocaust, Mal- Malcolm? Like, really? Really, man? Really? As if him being Jewish is supposed to insulate him right. from having a conversation about the Holocaust. Yeah. No, that's the same exact argument that leftists who emphasize yeah. lived experiences. Yeah. So, okay, so I, so I mean, we got to understand something. It's a media game. Yeah. And there are some folks who play it really well. And there are other folks like me who exist in the media space. So, you know, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not, I mean, when I, when I come and talk to you guys, when I come and go on my YouTube channel and I speak with passion and fire, when I go to Rashad Richie's show, when I'm on the Gothic CRT debate, I'm bringing off Christian Watson. I'm bringing every last inch of me. I'm not toning myself down. I've had media companies that have worked with me kind of say, you know what, Christian, we like you, we support you, but you're too radical in your message. You're too preachy. We need someone who's a little bit more calm. All right, man, that's not, it's not me. It's not me, brother. Bye. Bye. Have a nice day. <laughs> we, we can call sometimes on the weekends, you know, catch up, but bye. So, but there are some people, again, who play the game, but believe what they say. I think Shapiro believes everything he says. Plays the game to get mass validation and then keeps playing the game for that audition to keep coming in. Ben Shapiro is one of the largest political podcasters in the world. Yeah, his show will even beats Oprah in some rankings, or it's very close to Oprah in some rankings. Ridiculous. For someone who has no major network backing, he's been on Fox a few times, but who's actually just doing this by himself. That is ridiculously impressive. It is impressive. You have to play. You have to play a game. And whether you like him or not, you, you can't. You can't at least not acknowledge that it's impressive. You know, it is. You have to play a game. Crowder, same with Crowder. It's a similar, similar. I feel similar. Oh dear, don't get me started on Steve Crowder. But again, it's dear God, impressive. they've been able to establish themselves and kind of muscle their way into this whole thing, and then carve out their own niche. Even Crowder. Yeah, he's he's Stephen Crowder. (laughs) Stephen Crowder. Jesus help us. Um, Okay. Other things about him that I like, but there are other things where I'm just like, all right, Steve. Uh, I I don't I don't understand the this culture, man. I'll never I'll never understand it. It's a weird. This, well, it's, there's a culture. There's there's a there's a culture between people who are trying to seek the truth and discuss the truth and do like nuanced analysis and but the audience for that kind of content is much smaller than the mass appeal for 
gotcha games, rhetorical nonsense, sophistry, because, you know, the, we, we forget because, you know, we, we engage in conversation with a lot of intelligent people and, you know, we're educated and such. But, you know, the, the average, they say the average IQ is around 100. So if you're trying to get, you know, uh, attention, if you're trying to get eyeballs on your content from people from the, the widest range possible, you almost have to play those games in order to draw that audience to your content. And there could be some value in that, in that you can sort of like uh, inject little bits of wisdom and knowledge into the content. But I, I think it comes down to, it's like, what is your, what is your intention and what are your goals? And, you know, who are you trying to draw to your, your views? Like, we're not trying to get, like, at least, I know, from us, we're not trying to, like, draw the, the largest audience possible. And we're not, you know, going to play these games in order to, to, to get that. Because the end goal for, this isn't really about money for, for me. You know, it'd be nice if it eventually did bring some income. But it's not about that. It's not the, the reason for it. It's not the, the motivation behind it. And so we have this different approach where we are looking for the truth and we will, you know, mm -hmm. get into the nuance and we will use big words and, and we'll discuss them with, you know, individuals like yourself who are clearly interested in the ideas and sort of seeking mm -hmm. the truth. And it's, it's a different approach. Yeah. Well, I think mm -hmm. you, have to, yeah. you have to not be afraid to truly speak, you know, your mind. And I think when you get to that point where you're now performing for people or you have this mass audience, I think you will start kind of self-censoring to keep that audience. And that's definitely not what we're about. I mean, if, if people don't like us, they can just unfollow me and watch something else, you know, but we're not going to hold back saying a particular thing or talking about a certain subject because we're going to be afraid that our followers are going to drop off or something, you know? And I think yeah. at well, that big level though, I can understand why that fear might come about. Like Tim Pool's a good example, you know, he's very moderate and, and now he has this whole establishment where he's not just responsible for himself. He's responsible for all these other people who well, are the a part same, of it, same you know? with Shapiro, same with Crowder, yeah. you know, same with Richie, you know, it's sure same with, you know, like probably Malcolm. Yeah. They have, you know, if they have a brand that's built around a particular style or a particular, uh, you know, like presenting a, a worldview, then they will continue to sort of do that. They'll maintain their own status quo. So I think you guys are right in some sense, but I want to take it a different direction in another sense. Okay. You are right in the sense that there is a game that is being played and there are certain tactics that media figures on both the left and the right use to drum up views and drum up approval and mass validation. In the other sense, though, I think that if you want that sort of mass, okay, what does mass appeal mean? Does that mean appealing to the basic common denominator of people? Okay, then you're always going to have lower quality content than you could have if you do that. But if that means appealing to a lot of people, we have to understand this is a world of over 6 billion now, I think, people. I think this is a country. Of over seven, uh, seven, seven, actually, yes, seven, actually. This is a country of over 330 million people. Um, I mean, there is more than enough audience for everyone, in sure, my right. opinion. Yes. Everyone. Jordan Peterson sells out fucking uh, uh, auditoriums. Yeah, yeah. We saw people him. will pay 
thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars to go see this man talk about Jungian philosophy. It's crazy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 seriously. Even uh, he's uh, talked uh, about how, like, insane that is to him, that he he's, like, still eternally surprised and shocked that people are actually yes. gathering as if it's a rock concert to see yes. someone get on stage and talk about psychology and philosophy and, and, and religion and stuff. It's, it's yes. bizarre, you know? Okay. Yeah, and Jeffrey Tucker made a made a, a remark about this in an article he wrote he said that well i'm not sure that any other public intellectual in american history could have done this i mean yeah. noam chomsky could have probably drawn a big crowd at in the vietnam era i mean william f Buckley could have probably drawn a big crowd around then too ayn rand may have been able to but like there are very few public intellectuals in the western sphere maybe hitchens could have christopher hitchens probably could have um but there are very few public intellectuals in the western sphere who could draw that many damn people on a whim's notice every time he goes out the tour but this reflects the fact that norms styles are not centralized to a to a certain taste which is what i said when i said that there's all there's a there's an audience for all of us yeah because there is everyone there is a style that will appeal to anyone out okay there for everyone who has a style there is an audience for it so I'm, I, you know, I'm not worried. Would I like to have millions of subscribers one day? Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. And uh, evidently, I mean, Stefan Molyneux, who, who, you know, who, who basically his entire thing was about philosophy, even though he kind of went off the rails close to the end of his, end of his journey on, on, on big tech platforms, he had millions of subscribers and his entire thing was like using philosophy to go into political situations. Um, so there is, there's an audience for it, absolutely. Yeah, there is. But is it a slower rise to the top? Maybe it can be. It doesn't have to be. If you play your cards right. Slow and steady. When playing my cards right. Yeah, totally. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and so I, I haven't been doing a video for about a week now because me and my editor have been working on a very big project, and it's going to be my first video with my higher quality camera, my my DSLR. This is not my DSLR. It's my webcam right now my dslr and you know it's going to be addressing i'll give you guys a sneak peek i'm going to be addressing the comments um that were lobbed against me in the young turks video yeah talking uh, and, I, and i'm going to be talking about uh a few things Fire. i can't spoil it oh no but yeah so so you know look look when we say playing a game what do we mean if we mean being good at marketing then i think everyone should play the game but if you mean sacrificing your values and your quality for mass validation, yeah. fuck that game. Yeah, it's not worth it. Exactly. So, but but am I going to market myself in ways that may appeal to a certain kind of people? Yeah, why not? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, have to make a living. You know, it's inevitable. Yeah. And, and if you want this to become your career, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to be compensated for that for a service for providing yeah. something to people is that why we do it no i don't think i think you know there are plenty of other things i can think of that i could have gotten into that would have made me a ton of money than like podcasting yeah. or painting you know or writing poetry <laughs> it's like they're not the most yeah well speaking fields especially and, and as i mentioned you know i think i mentioned this to you daniel um the first eight months I was yeah. doing this. I had about 300 subscribers, maybe. Yeah. Um, the past eight months, I've had about, I've grown about 4,000 plus. 
um which is just remarkable in my opinion exponential exponential and i mean we got montized a few months ago i mean so you know it, it was uh, almost a year of hard labor of faith of of being sad because my numbers were not big and then it was like almost a year of just grinding things out and get and and, and trying to rise to the top um none of that had to do with luck I mean, because if, if it had to do with luck, then luck must have visited me pretty late on in my career. Yeah. No, it had to do late, with... you're 21, bro. Come on. <laughs> well, okay. We're the ones who are late. late yeah. Way late to the game. No. <laughs> no, but so my point is this persistence is what matters. Yes. I mean, all the big people you see, whether it's Lex Friedman, I mean, now I admire not someone who doesn't play any kind of game and yeah. yet is immensely influential. Yeah. I've talked to almost every major public intellectual. That's someone people should, if they want to emulate anyone, it's like in, the, in terms of how you present yourself or not to present yourself, in terms of how you retain your values while still being marketable, that's who you look at. Yeah. Lex Friedman. We like Great, Lex. great, great interview. Yeah, we're fans. Well, I'm, I'm gonna great, go, great interview. I'm going to go back yeah. to Tim Poole really quick because he's talked about this before. It's like, dude, the guy mm-hmm. was like yeah. sleeping on floors, you know, like like literally yeah. sleeping in his car, like just with a camera and stuff. And just he started like from scratch and, and it took yep. years and years and years for him to get to where he is now. And now he has one of the yep. biggest shows on the Internet. So yes. it's just, it, it is persistence, you know, and consistency, being consistent and not compromising your values like understanding what your values are and sticking to them sure maybe they might shift over time as you age and that's normal but ultimately i think there's you know certain core values that you should hold to and just know you know that this is this is why i'm doing this and people like him they're definitely not doing it for the money you know i I don't believe that so no no um yeah look i like simple now i i will look at him sometimes um I like him a lot. Well, I think he think he's good. Um, I, I think that he's sometimes he he's holding back a lot of his opinions. Yeah, take a right. position, or he or, or 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 he <laughs> changed or he changes them. Yeah. Or uh, he, I'm I'm not going to say anything negative about him, but I I just think he's not. He has the luxury right now. First, okay, here's the thing. YouTube will not get rid of him. He is making a shit ton of money for YouTube. That's number one. Uh, number two, he has a very solid audience base that absolutely adore him. Number three, he has a very wide network of other people who have solid, solid audience bases that also adore them as well. Okay, you put all those three things together, you get someone who is like the Incredible Hawk. They're pretty damn dermal, and they're pretty damn un- uh, like pretty damn unstoppable. Not Especially unstoppable. though, after like so, lost Joe Rogan, like I don't think they're gonna. Yes, they're not gonna. No, lose no of them, course not. You know? No, 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 never. So Tim has the ability to be a little bit more outspoken in his beliefs than a lot of other people do. He has the ability to, but I think he may be making calculations, and I don't know because he gets a lot of flack every day the daily beast just recently wrote a hit piece on him yeah that i read and i'm i i couldn't i half of it i just i didn't understand how any serious person could think <laughs> that it was indict a damning indictment uh, i just so so he gets a lot of flack but i listen to him sometimes but you know as it relates to my diet of information i don't really listen to a lot of youtubers i listen to carlin borshenko you guys gothics tim pool sometimes that's probably it I am. I, I stay away from all of that because I'm trying to work on my craft. Sure. So I don't listen. I don't listen to Ben Shapiro. I don't listen to uh, 
I listen to, uh, I, I listen to, uh, I, sometimes I'll turn on Brandon Tatum sometimes. Uh, Anthony Brian Logan, I, I, I respect I respect we, it. We dip into a lot um, of these different people. I think just because we're we're trying to have a more balanced perspective. So yeah, there are certain people who are more moderate or lefty, and there are certain people who are more like conservative that we listen to. And we, I think we kind of try to just sample all of them. Like people like Tim were definitely more consistent with watching the show. And I think that's just because mm-hmm. we're more moderates. But honestly, a, a lot of our information just comes from like articles and 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 books. Yeah, you know? exactly. Books. I like that's books. how I get my information. And I think more yeah. people need to get away from the the clickbait and the headlines and and the the you know just skimming skimming because that's what the internet and these devices kind of encourage. We need to sort of go back to this more calmer, controlled, deep reading, analytical type of thinking. And I think books just do that in a way that you you don't get. You know, one of the things we're trying to do on our website, which we have like a like a rough version of it out but it's not complete yet we're going to add a lot more books to it but it's like a reading list that we have on our website and jordan peterson has done this too and you know i find on the internet i do encounter people who are looking for books to read but they just they don't know where to start so i found it you know it's it's i think it's helpful to you know you might even want to do this too for your for your website is to just you know compile a list of thinkers and and good books that you found helped you get to your level of understanding. So other people who are interested in a deeper form of, of reading and thinking have that as a, as a resource to turn to, you know, and, and yeah. it's, it's kind of rebelling a bit too against this whole social media scrolling type of, you know, digesting. Of it. it depends on what you're interested in too. Sure. It depends on what you're interested in as well. I mean, so if someone hands me a copy of, 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 of Young, of one of Young's writings, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, thank you. I'll, I'll read this in like a year because okay. <laughs> I'm not interested in reading Young right now. I want to dive more into his thought because of my there's so many books yeah. right now. Right? <laughs> so many. Right. There's so many books. Right. But if someone hands me a copy of uh, of, uh, of of one of the natural law theorists, yeah. uh, if I hadn't read that, that book already, I probably would dig into it immediately because I, I like the natural law theorist. Someone hands me a copy of one of the Stoics. I'll probably read them. Someone hands me a copy of one of the... Uh, 20th century political philosophers, whether it's Russell Kirk or Robert Nozick or Murray Rothbard. Well, yeah, I'll dig into that. Um, so it really all depends on your interest. And you don't have to be a Renaissance man in your reading. Sure. A lot of folks think that you have to be. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lot good. of it's temperament too. You know, a lot of it depends right. on sometimes, the personality of a person. Some sometimes okay, simply know a thinker or a work in passing and not get too bogged down. And knowing it intimately, sometimes it's yeah. okay for that to happen. Sure, you know, I, I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to know everything about, um, you know, Freud psychoanalysis to live a good life. In fact, <laughs> it was uh, it was Emerson who said in Spirit of Laws. That's Spirit of Laws. That's Montesquieu. Excuse me. I'm getting my. It's who said in who said in Spiritual Laws. Excuse me. Emerson wrote an article called an article an essay called Spiritual Laws. And he said, "The war, the the measles and mumps are this of the soul, are these sort of considerations of grand abstract ideas, which have no relationship to your everyday life." And he also said that a man only needs a few good instincts and some plain rules to live a good life. That's what Emerson said. 
And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, come on, man. We have to investigate things deeply. The arcana, come on. Why would you say that? What's wrong with you, Emerson? You're talking about all this in all this high abstract language. And now you say I only need a few plain rules. What's wrong with you, you hypocrite? <laughs> then I said, hold on. Maybe he's trying to prove a point to me. Maybe he's saying that you don't have to stop reading about, he particularly mentioned original sin and the problem of evil as being the mumps and muses of the soul. Maybe he's not saying that you don't have to avoid those topics, but he is saying don't cling on to them so much that you cannot live your life. Don't think that those topics will have a, a substantial bearing on your everyday practical life. That's He's not saying what, be a that's slave. That's kind of what we're seeing, too, with the CRP. Uh, yeah. and, you know, exactly. Precisely. They, they lose Precisely. their identity. And it's, it's, it's the same with the COVID stuff, too. But it's just like I see these people and I go on their pages and it's like their name has to do with COVID now on Twitter or CRT. And you go to their <laughs> bio and it's like hashtag this, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag their name. They're, they're no longer even an individual person. They're like, I'm going to use Peterson again, they're ideologically possessed. Like the, the individual has sort of been obliterated for the highfalutin ideas that now kind of possess them. And that's, that's what they're all about. That's hijacked their life. And you look at so many of these people and you're like, a lot of them are miserable people. <laughs> they're miserable. Right. And, and even if you're not, there are people who are not particularly zealous about ideas who also still experience a significant amount of distraction from those ideas. Sure. Um, uh, a distraction that results from those ideas, rather. Um, so, like, you know, there are people who will just sit up at night and, you know, wonder about the problem of evil. Maybe not many people, but there are people who do that. And that can yeah. put, that can destabilize. Yeah. That, can desta- that, that can destabilize you. And so Emerson's saying, look, dude. You most likely will not have to deal with that as it relates to practice, as it relates to action. You know, just go ahead, be good to people, be nice to people, um, have some good instincts about yourself, and everything else will follow suit. Yeah. Now, I think that could be probably a little bit simplistic for our modern world. I think Emerson, Emerson was not dealing with the world we have today back yeah. in the 1800s. Yeah, who knows but what he would have said. I, I, uh, well, I think I think I think his I think he would be exceedingly disappointed in everyone because uh, I, th- I think he would be someone of his caliber of intelligence, seeing how much social media has uh, been an auxiliary towards intellectual mediocrity. He would be absolutely disappointed. He probably be, he would probably hate it. Um, I, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Maybe he would have loved it. I don't know. But you know, we can import some of his ideas and use them in our life. And I think that, and this is a conversation that Local Distance and I had on our show. I had him on my show too. And he said, look, man, those plain rules, not everyone's going to be able to engage in moral issues on an abstract level. Um, I don't have to know, per se, that going up to someone, I don't have to know that, no, per se, that going up to someone and sleeping with his wife behind his back is probably a immoral thing to do by using some sort of theorem or argumentative deduction or whatever. I can just detect something instinctually about me that can detect that's probably a mess of thing to do. Probably is. Um, But there gets to a point where we're evaluating our values that we should probably have a good idea about how to justify them. And that's why I think you can take Emerson's rule to a certain point, but you have to leave it there at that point and use it to 
and, and use it as a backdrop of where you're going to go rather than the vehicle where you're going to go. Because Emerson's point doesn't consider the necessity of justifying your ideas or your beliefs. And because Emerson was not really into all the normative stuff. He didn't really believe in all, okay, this is right, this is wrong. He had a much more fluid idea of what morality was, a much more artistic idea of what morality was. He certainly had ideas of right and wrong, but they weren't ideas of right and wrong, like per se, Locke had about right and wrong. He didn't really cling to property rights that Emerson. So I think that you can take the idea to a certain extent. And you should always be critical of these kind of ideas too. I mean, you should always be critical and self-reflecting as well. Um, Agreed. One of the reasons why I, I kind of gave Jordan Peterson a little bit of a hard shake in our first conversation was because, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are zealous about him. Yeah. And I find that to be a problem. Yeah. He's a smart man, but I promise you, there are a lot of psychology professors who can speak, who can wax poetic about Jung and Freud too. Maybe not like him. Definitely not like him because most of them are, are leftists. So I, I think but they can they, they can do that too. And 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 look, hey, I'm not I'm not trying to discount the fact that this man no, has I influenced a lot of people's lives. I understand. Exactly. I had a friend told me I had a friend told me one time he said, Christian, if I ever saw Jordan Peterson in person, I would break down and cry. Yeah. I'm like, why? And, and, and I'm not attacking. I'm not attacking anyone. I'm not sure. attacking anyone. I'm not. I'm not. Not, not casting aspersions. I just think. And I talked about this recently. The idea of idol worship is not just prominent in our politics; it's prominent in our culture as well. I agree, man. You know, I, I think I think the points you make are valid points, and there's definitely a lot of people who are very zealous about him. But you know, it goes back to what you said. There, there are there are a lot of people who have had their lives changed by encountering the the ideas and things that he talks about and so it had a very real effect on them and allowed them mm-hmm. to sort of take themselves and they did it themselves you know and no matter how much they want to say put that you know in peterson's hands and say oh well i have him to thank for that no it's you have yourself to thank for that but those ideas mm-hmm. help them pull themselves out of really terrible situations and to kind of take responsibility for themselves and change their lives and i think that that's why there's so many who are overzealous about him but i agree i think there's a problem with idol worship and it's always something we should be weary of and be be careful to not fall into for you know the sake of not putting on someone else's armor and and trying to fight mm-hmm the battles using their ideas and their armor instead of because personally i think that's missing peterson's point peterson wouldn't want you to do that in my opinion i think he would want you to find your individual voice and to learn how to articulate things for yourself and not to just repeat Mm -hmm. what he's saying um but yeah the idol worship thing is is an issue and i think everyone should always be careful to not to not fall into that you know Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I understand I your points. I don't, I don't think you were too harsh on him at all. I think they're perfectly valid criticisms that I've seen elsewhere before. And, you know, hopefully those people who are overzealous about him will, you know, come to understand that maybe they are, you know, worshiping him a little too much. And, and I don't think he would want that personally. I, I don't yeah. think that impression Look, it- on him. Fo- and, and folks shouldn't be overzealous about Christian Watson either. Thank there you. are some folks who I've detected who are. You know, like, like not, 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 they don't just admire me, but they're like, oh my gosh, I mean, you're the next time I saw you. Like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, back it up, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I'm not. Hold on, no, 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 hold on. I am a person who is using my faculty of reason 
to advocate for something passionately. Yeah. I get that this can be atypical in this era of intellectual mediocrity and conformity, but this is a moral power that you have within your own being. Sure. It, in fact, it is a power that is derived from the constitution of your humanity. I guess it's so Saul is also doing that, that just they they interpret it in that way. You know? Well, look, Thomas Saul isn't economist he's been an economist for years not if he's not really into philosophy too much he makes some very good points i have a few of his books um fact of uh, civil rights facts and fiction which is a pretty good synopsis of the rhetoric around the civil rights movement delve, and affirmative action i have to delve into him more i've seen a lot of videos of him speaking and talking he's about smart. ideas and i started reading uh, basic economics but i got like sidetracked with other things so i have to really that's a very that's that a very mammoth. large book it's a mammoth it's a very large book. don't mind mammoth books trust me i read war and peace and stuff so i'm like i'm, I'm not like yeah, war and peace with, is even larger <laughs> shy even larger books. you know i'm not shy with that but yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, the ideas. Time. The ideas in there are definitely big, heavy ideas. It's not the type of book you just sit there and read and one sitting. Quiet, Raid. Hey, your dog agrees with you. These are big, heavy ideas. Uh, <laughs> I think you you wanted to change topics a little bit, I guess. Before, uh, we, yeah, I wanted to shift gears. There were two other things I wanted to talk about, and you can let me know which one more interests you more, Christian. Is the idea first? Is this idea of critical queer theory and how <laughs> it's sort of like warping the perception of what homosexuality is the other is what's happening right now so i don't know if you've been paying attention but there was a bomb threat down on capitol hill um and mm. i've been sort of just monitoring the situation while we've been discussing it and it's looking like this gentleman i use that term very loosely uh, who pulled up in front of the Library of Congress is a Southern gentleman in a pickup truck who is making threats. He went live on Facebook, and apparently he was talking about being a patriot and, uh, you know, revolution and these kind of things. And then I just noticed that false flag is also trending. So mm. <laughs> I'm not sure which of those topics is more interesting to you, but I thought in light of the uh, the Joe Biden White House video with, uh, with uh, Jen Psaki and that I don't know who that guy was, that gay influencer who was in that those weird clothes. And the I long forgot house. his. I was. I just learned his name yesterday and <laughs> totally forgot like, it. Forgot he's it. an oh, actor. He's an actor. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which one of those interests you more. But I thought those were interesting topics we could shift to. Yeah. Um, Find his name. Well, first of all, I had. I assume this this bomb threat was recent, right? Uh, I, it's I, ongoing I as we speak. Yeah, I haven't. I I I didn't. I have not looked at the news today. Um, so I I do that sometimes. Yeah, I do that sometimes. (laughs) Um, well, um, bomb threats happen. Um, I can show you. Okay, Patriot, Patriot, Southern, Patriot, Southern gentleman, false flag. Okay, I think I know. I I think I know where people were taking some examples. Um, You can see what I'm seeing here. Yeah. So just to go back to the, this is the gentleman here. Apparently, this okay. is, and there's a bunch of dollar bills, it looks like, on the street. He's, you can see he's on his phone. I don't he, think you have it pulled up. Uh-huh. It. Uh, no, he can see it. Oh. I'm sharing the screen. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I see so, it. And then uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that somebody had tweeted that he's live streaming on Facebook. His name is Ray Rosenberry. He's talking about revolution and patriots, and he's Southern. <laughs> so <laughs> it, this is, it, and the timing, the timing is what I find most curious because 
as you know, this past weekend, it was full of, you know, drama over Afghanistan, mm. the pullout of Afghanistan, which has generated a lot of negative press for the Biden administration. So mm -hmm. I found it very curious that, you know, and I expected a false flag, to be honest, uh, some sort of, you know, media discussion to shift the attention away from what was happening to Afghanistan. And, you know, here we have this, this event where a very Southern looking, you know, white bald guy, you know, talking about revolution and patriotism, just, you know, on the cusp of the, uh, the White House being very concerned about white supremacy and people who are vaccine hesitant and, you know, labeling those kind of individuals as potential right. terror threats. We're all extremists. Here now we have a perfect example that sort of rationalizes and confirms hmm. Yeah. Well, we're getting into the realm of conspiracy now. So I think, I don't know how Christian's going to feel about that. But look, gentlemen, look, gentlemen. Okay. I'll give you my honest opinion. I, I don't think, okay. How do I say this without be sounding offensive or dismissive? I have no evidence that gentleman is anything more than a kook who may believe that he's a patriot and who may be associated with right-leaning ideas, or he thinks he is. Um, I have no evidence that he is anything more than that. Uh, and, I, and just that, I'm again, I'm using my powers of deduction. We have no evidence, actually. Right, what the hell he's a very, very low so, so, environment right now. And, 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 and if we're going to distract from the Afghan pullout, or the very bad Afghan pullout, which has been plastered over all kinds of media, including CNN, which has been ripping into Biden. Jake Tapper ripped into um, the Secretary of State, yeah. <laughs> like, like the other day, like just ripped into him, just embarrassed him in front of millions of people. Um, if they were going to try to distract from that, wouldn't they have tried a little bit earlier? I mean, Biden's already been pretty humiliated by even point. people in the left-wing media. So I don't think it's a distraction that was planned. Maybe folks will look the other way for yeah. a second and say, oh, that crazy man right there. But as more reports of the Taliban keeping people outside of the airport and beating them and putting things over women's heads to cover them, as more reports of that come out, the Afghan story is still going to be pretty big for like a few weeks. Yeah. Now it'll go away eventually just because the news cycle is very quick and people tend not to care that much about things that are far away from them. Short attention. There was an earthquake yeah. in China. There was a, well, not just that. It's also a matter of, 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 of geography as well. There was an earthquake in China that took out half the country. A lot of us would say, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. And for a few weeks, that'd be the story. Okay. Then we would probably not really care too much in our everyday lives because we're not in China. Now, if you're in China, your entire existence has changed by that. If you were working at the Fukushima power plant a few uh, a sort of decade or so ago, oh, you care about the damn meltdown. That changed, that changed your life forever. But if you were uh, if you were in the, in the American Midwest, <clears throat> oh, that's terrible, guys. Yeah. Back to life. Well, Fukushima, so, Fukushima actually impacted me pretty directly because uh, I had a yeah, friend who was living in Japan at the sure. time that it happened. Sure. She was, you know, dating long distance, one of my best friends. And what's crazy is um, at the time that, this happened my best friend was actually uh, live streaming like talking to her like facetiming her and they were chatting and the camera started to shake as he was talking mm -hmm. to his girlfriend and he actually experienced with her the earthquake as mm -hmm. it took place so it terrible you no know, it definitely affected some terrible. people in the west if you knew someone who was oh yeah sure 
if you I knew someone, a poem about those it, folks, yeah, a poem about it, which mo- was in my first book, you know, which was called Triple Disaster, and it was about you know the tsunami, the earth, the earthquake, the tsunami, and then the meltdown. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. If you have family in China or friends in China or friends in Japan or whatever, sure. then absolutely you'd be worried about them. But most people, well, probably you know they they I, they care, but they don't care in an intimate way. Yeah. So what am I saying? All I'm saying is that distractions happen. The news cycle is fast. I think that if this is a, an intentional false flag to divert from the Biden administration's failure, they could have done it much earlier before the media would tear it into him on all sides. Uh, I think that they, they're probably not really good at their false flag. This is a false flag. Um, but it's most likely just some random crazy person who is doing random crazy things and should be regarded as that. Well, another um, thing we'll, really quick is like yeah. the media doesn't, you know, the media will just jump on these things. You, you don't always have to have something that's planned. Sometimes yeah. something will just happen and they see politically yeah, exactly. an opportunity to hone in on it. Personally, I think the George Floyd incident was a, a similar example. You know, more and more mm-hmm. people were starting to question the lockdown policies. More people were starting to protest for that. And I think that maybe had the potential to kind of unify people a bit. As soon as this unfortunate event happened, the media hones in on that and they, and they plaster that everywhere. Did they have to plan it? No. I mean, obviously they weren't there to, to make the, the officer kill George Floyd, but they saw an opportunity right. in the event as it unfolded. And so they fixated upon it. So it doesn't always yes. have to be a conspiracy where like, it's like the event is planned and concocted. It could just be something happens. Oh, that's convenient. Let's, let's talk about that, you know, to distract from yes. this. Well, maybe sort of yeah. kind of, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think I think the corporate media enjoyed covering those protesters going into the Capitol after Whitmer's sure. lockdown. I think they enjoyed covering that because they could yeah. plaster them, paint them as as crazy people. Exactly. So I don't think so. I, I, I just I don't know, man. I, I just the reason I don't like conspiracy stuff is because I want to stay as far away. I think speculation is the enemy of truth if it becomes the basis for an entire for a proposition. Um. Speculation should be the beginning of trying to find the truth, which is what some conspiracy theorists think they're doing, but oftentimes they still have to connect a lot of dots, draw a lot of you know lines and the points in the graph to get to their point. Some dots that may be explained by other things, others which may just be coincidences. I don't know. It is appeal to our sense of the unknown yeah. if they do. So uh, look, I don't. I'm not saying that every official narrative is correct. I think that some narratives probably questioned. I think that it's possible um, that there could have been something uh, ado with um, the Jeffrey Epstein situation. Probably was something to do. I mean, uh, the footage goes missing. No one in the prison knows what happened. I mean, the, the guy reportedly was fearing for his lots, life. Lots, lots. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah. And, and maybe that. But you have to a- a- ask yourself, why is Ghislaine Maxwell still alive? Yeah. She, I, she knows just I, as much I have an about him. I personally you know, just, just as much. Like, I think she has a dead drop set up. That's my opinion. I don't know if that's true. Obviously, it's speculation. A dead drop? Yeah. A doppelganger? Yeah. No, a dead drop as in if something were to happen to her, compromising videos and, and pictures would immediately be released upon the internet upon certain people. So, and personally, if I were in her situation and knew the things that I knew, that that's what I would do, especially if I knew that I might be in a similar, you know, have a similar fate as Epstein. That's, but again, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's, that is, right, so. I will say that, but so. that, that's my personal, I guess, 
theory about the matter but i've asked that too you know why is she still alive so i don't even know if it's her uh yeah. frankly I, you <laughs> mentioned like doppelganger. well i just we, there's very oh, right. again it's a low information environment we yeah. don't have any pictures of her it's true they the, the written descriptions of her suggest that she's lost a lot of weight that she's you know losing her hair that she doesn't look like the same person which are reasonable uh sort of things to happen to somebody under the stress mm-hmm. in the position that she's under but it would also explain, you know, it would be very easy for people that are in the intelligence community, you know, like the members of the CIA, the Mossad, whatever group that she's associated with. And there is indication that she's been associated with both of those yes. groups. It would be easy for them to swap yeah. somebody out and put in a look, a look alike and just you know, okay. let the process play out. I don't know about are you, are you familiar I don't know about I, I, I don't, about I, I don't I, I, Yes. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Really is my point. I are mean, you familiar with Whitney Webb? I, She's many th- a, no, I don't know who Whitney Webb is. She's an no. independent journalist and she's written extensively about Maxwell and about Epstein. And, you know, we recommend her work if you want to sort of get a more detailed. Who is she associated with? Um, what is, what she's, so she's been on, um, she has been on a couple of different websites, but she's really just an independent journalist. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought she Unlimited was... Hangout was one of the websites she was on. Okay. Um, well, look, I don't, I don't know anything about a doppelganger of, of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, look, anything is possible. Well, I, don't, right? I don't have anything any evidence to suggest that it right. that, that that that's what has actually happened. But my, my anything is possible. It's not yeah. beyond the realm of credulity given yeah. the amount of money and influence these people. I have. think it's just I wouldn't oh, put sure. it past, anything's possible. I wouldn't put it past some of these people to do crazy things like this. Personally, yeah, that's I, different. I, I don't think Epstein killed himself. That's my personal opinion. I think there's okay. way too many red flags. Someone like that guy, when you really study him, you know, and the fact that he had already been caught before and arrested and got away with this. And I think he was expecting to get away with it again. The hubris, you know, the psychopathology that's obviously there. These aren't the types of people who just kill themselves. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Are you sure about that? Are you people, sure? I think people like him are too certain that they're going to win, especially when you look at their track records. So we're not Epstein. It's, it's I mean, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who seem like they have it all put together, but sure. inside they're just a wreck. Robert Robin Williams was seen supposedly one of the happiest men in Hollywood. I understand himself. Yeah, but Robin Williams wasn't. I mean, like a serial a child molester. You know, running. No, of course, running, obviously, you know, the king rings. There are different degrees. There are different degrees of of severity in certain actions. But the point is, we can't just psychoanalyze Epstein and say. Yeah, he probably didn't kill him. No, no, there are other reasons to believe there may have been foul play involved. Other, like, like, like the footage goes conveniently sure. missing. Yes. And the, the, attorney general, the attorney general investigates and nothing comes up. Yeah. I mean, there are other reasons to believe that yeah. there was foul play involved. But anyway, so I just, I don't know anything about doppelganger. I, I, I just, I try to stay away from this kind of stuff because I just, I don't, I don't think that I mean, it's it helps us broaden our understanding at all. Um, like there are some folks in that Paul McCartney is not replaced by a doppelganger, even though the voice sounds exactly the same. Uh, his, his, his singing sounds exactly the same. I mean, his struggle, his height is almost exactly the same. That must be one damn lucky God doppelganger. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I don't think, think Tupac that. is still alive. So, or that Elvis is still alive. Yeah, they're yeah. Really, they think no, he's still I, in I, Jamaica somewhere. I understand. But I think with the Epstein case, you, you don't really, you don't have to even speculate on some of these things to to see like you said there are many suspicious things about it and it's definitely worth talking about and i think the elites the people in power they want the story to die they certainly don't want people to talk about it so and yeah that, and that that's that's created right. that has created a lot of uh speculation 
Sure. Like they don't want people to talk about it. It's created a lot of speculation and that hasn't helped their case at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no. We so can totally don't... shift gears to critical queer theory and talk about this. Uh, all right. Individual. So I found his name, the guy who did the White House video, the gay dude. He's an actor. His name is Benito Skinner. Yeah, I saw that video. Never even heard of it. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, pretty much I think a lot of us saw it because we weren't sure what it was at first. I thought it was satire until I realized that that was actually Jen Psaki in the video. It was actually her. (laughs) I was like, oh, so I don't know what they thought they were trying to accomplish. You know, the screen just so, you know, inclusivity, Brent, and diversity and stuff. And look how diverse the White House is. But do you think that that's what this like, because this isn't to me. This isn't like you know mainstream homosexuality. This isn't like you know be tolerant of gay people or queer people. And well, you could argue this is mainstream homosexuality that people like. Well, very it's, much. I think I think it's what they're trying to present as the mainstream sort of homosexual or gay culture, but it's not because most gay people are just relatively normal people trying to live their lives, not doing the super crazy gender bending, outrageous, at, you know, like wearing the nails, like the, the bright colors, not, you know, like doing all this like ridiculous, you know, gender bending costumes and such. There are, there, and there are people who participate in it, but it's not what I see, at least in my experience in the gay community, it's not common. But it does get highlighted in terms of things like RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. We, we talked about this with, with Mikey in depth when we had him on. Yeah, well, I wanted to get Christian's yeah. perspective on it. Oh, I don't know. It's it feels my perspective. Yeah, yeah, your perspective. Oh, what did you think about um, this, this this little video, for example, that went viral where he's yeah like, yeah I saw I saw that video. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't really care less. I I I, I could I couldn't. I, I couldn't really care less about it, in all honesty. Um, just being, just being, uh, see, I, I could get a lot of views out of being outraged over that. Oh my gosh, look at how they're depicting the gay people, and oh my gosh, we're we're, we're all feminine. I could get a lot of views. I don't, I don't kind of. If Jen Psaki wants to go and do this ridiculous PR campaign with this guy who is embodying almost every bad gay stereotype in existence, it makes her. Yeah. It makes her look even worse than she already looks with her persistent circling back and her uh, dodging of basic questions. But okay, let's talk about it though. Okay. I do think on a more fundamental level, <sighs> a lot of gay men, I'm going gonna, gonna to offend some people. Dangerous rhetoric. A lot of gay, <laughs> a lot of gay, uh, a lot of gay men, I'm going to assume you guys are not a part of this crowd. Provide the foundation for those stereotypes to happen. What do I mean? Well, when you have a lexicon of words that classify people on the basis of their body types. Yep. Can I go a little bit deeper? Go deeper. When you have a lexicon of words that classify people on the basis of their body type. And then you see that those body types, those lexicons play out in non-sexual areas. You shouldn't be surprised because you have provided. Sexual gratification is one of the highest kind of gratification that a human being can get. You have provided the confidence of people to go and act this stuff out 
outside of intimate context, where in my opinion, it really isn't even appropriate for that, in my prudish opinion. That's number one. Um, number two, when you have, as critical queer theory emphasizes, this push against normativity, it becomes fashionable to act and emulate the traits typically assigned to people who are different than you, in this instance, being feminine. Now, is this to say that people who are feminine are doing it in an activist sense? Of course not. No, no, not at all. There are some people who, so there are some gay men who are feminine who do it because they simply like the style and there's nothing at all wrong with that. In fact, I think that it's wrong to shun people. I agree. I was watching someone talk the other day, talk about how gay men who wear dresses and are feminine are actually dangerous to uh, masculinity. I'm like, really, they are? So are, are there more, yeah. you know, muscle jocks who are going out there and wearing dresses because there is a RuPaul that exists? And many <laughs> of those muscle jocks themselves, many of them are actually also on the down low, by the way. And that's not, <laughs> that, 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 that's another issue. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another issue too by the way that's another issue too so we've gone from the sort of exportation of intimacy and of, of intimate labels into the public realm the sort of gratification of those labels to be on a higher level in the public realm and by doing that we've cut out the fact that being gay is simply a biological probably biological condition that is probably tempered a little bit by social rearing yeah. by rearing this sort of nature and nurture mix yes. that has no description beyond that yes and but again it's it. the same thing with blackness the same thing like blackness these people are giving description to sexuality that that goes beyond its primary function it's fine if something can serve a different purpose than what it was intended to serve, if that purpose is conducive to its original end. So for example, a car may be able to serve the purpose. So a car was originally just meant to transport me from point A to point B. I may be able to sleep in a car. I mean, it's, uh, it's a form of shelter still. It's not really harming its traditional end. I can sleep in a car if I want to. So I can still move from point A to point B. Sexuality, I'm not sure what its purpose is, but its function is, I think, to, to give a different quality to human relationships, right? Give a different quality to our interactions. To take that and then pretend as if it is a social prescription for a certain kind of behavior is for sexuality to become less about its proper function and more about fulfilling a social role, which has nothing to do with its proper function. So well, that's what we're seeing here with this kind of stuff. We're seeing them have this idea of the gay guy by putting this actor in their video and him acting like a just ridiculous person. Caricature. Just being a, 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 a caricature, yeah, exactly. And that's supposed to mean representing gay guys. What about the gay guy on Capitol Hill who's 20 years old and who's on the down low? Yeah. Who... Uh, who, who spends his time on Grinder with faceless profile pictures? What about him? You represent him? I'm being real right now. It it's happens. So, there, was a funny, there was a it's funny the parody. There's a funny parody of this video that I stumbled upon the other day that I wanted Brent to actually pull up because there was a, a, another feminine gay man 
but who is conservative, oh, who sick. made fun of this video. Is, is it Lady Maga? Yeah, no, it was Mind of Edward. He did a hilarious, oh, hilarious parody of this. You might have to share the screen with him. <laughs> let me see. I think we can share it real well, quick. Let me, let, me, let me see this. I don't watch this stuff off the top. It's very me short. It cracked me. It cracked me. Off. It, it really yeah, cracked I don't. I, I, share. Yeah, I can just stay with You know, he, here's a feminine gay man oh. back against this. Right? Yeah. Hold on. I have to. Feminism's yeah. calling. <laughs> see you, daddy. Bye. Can you hear it? Hi, my name's Adam. Oh. This is the day in the life of yeah. a yeah. intern. <laughs> I like to start my mornings off with a little the bit paper. of reading. Hi, Jenny. I RSVP'd us for the Obama birthday bash. Yeah, I didn't tell you to do that, but let me circle back to you. We only injected 160 million Americans, and we need every single American vaxxed immediately. Get Zuck and Jack on the line. Those anti-vaxxers are getting awfully annoying. Are you taking notes? It's all right here, Queen. Good afternoon, POTUS. <laughs> Joe can't sign off on this. He's taking his afternoon nap. Should we ask Kamala? No to Kamala. The cackling hen keeps getting us in trouble and has been ordered to lay low. We can just sign for <laughs> Joe. He doesn't even know what's going on. Should we have Fauci announce the new variant? We need a scarier name though. Delta just wasn't it. Ooh, what about the Chucky variant? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm about to check on the theme of camps to make sure everything's going as planned. I'll be back. We did it, Joe. <laughs> One sec. I just, I love it, man. I love it. Because I think that's how you beat this sort of stuff. You know, it's like you... They're going to hit us with this propaganda and you can kind of, you can respond to it. You can make fun of it. And I love it too, because it also shows that there are feminine gay men who don't subscribe to the left point of view as well. They are also well, real, you know? It, uh-huh. I thought uh, it was cracked me up. I love the paper on his uh, head. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Well, um, interesting. Um, interesting. 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 Uh, God, man. It's like, definitely this culture. Is, this culture humor, is humor is kind of what it is. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, hey, I can't, I can't judge people's humor. I have a weird sense of humor myself, but uh, I, uh, hey, more power to him. He's obviously got an audience. He's obviously doing what makes him happy. So <laughs> Christian hilarious. Watson doesn't. Uh, uh, um, so Christian Watson doesn't do comedy skits. No, that's not true. I, 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 that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I, I like some kind of comedy. It just, my kind of comedy is very weird. Like I, I, I think, uh, like I'm, I'm, you know, I think that's, you get mad at me, but you watch Frasier, don't you? Don't you? Who's Frasier? You don't watch Frasier? Way before okay, his never time. mind. Before his time. What's a Frasier? Really? No, I, intellectual I, humor. I love Frasier. Oh. It's a sitcom. Yeah, I, that I hey, hey. Spin off of Chico. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I think that uh, I think I, I watched this one video recently where this person was proclaiming to exercise Lucifer from someone's body and they had like a 25 minute conversation, <laughs> like a casual conversation between the pastor and Lucifer. Like, the, like, like I'm like, Lucifer's rather civil, you know, it was so much in search in Africa. That's pretty hilarious to me. Then there was this other uh, other um, pastor down in Jamaica who was like dealing with this woman who allegedly was possessed by her mother-in-law and the mother-in-law was speaking to the woman and, and, and the pastor was like giving her COVID allegedly. Like there was one point in the conversation where the pastor said, get ready for COVID. It just like blows in her direction. And like, she like goes and falls down. Like I'm into weird stuff, man. That's, that's interesting to me. Cause it's just like, how can people just sit here 
and give this woman money every Sunday and listen to this dysfunction. This is ridiculous. That's what gets that kind of stuff. And there was this woman who was in the gas station screaming about free water that one time, you know, when she went to a a conversation about slavery and how reparations were needed because the the black folks built the pipes under their building and she was demanding free water. Uh, I know I just like weird stuff like that. <laughs> stuff that just shocks the bottles of mind. Things that yeah. are just ridiculous. You know, uh, you know, into that it just makes you think, what the hell is going on? That's my kind of humor. So I can't judge people if they want to see, you know, um, you know, uh, James Charles wannabes go around in the White House and you know, with the nails and whatever. I, I can't judge folks. They want to see that kind of crap. Yeah, I mean, Jen Saki probably isn't that kind of crap. I, mean, I didn't find. I can't judge original, folks. Kind of I didn't find the original video no. funny, to be honest. No, I, I found it kind of no. insulting with all the serious things happening right now. But the reason I found that funny is because it takes those serious things and it, it even addresses them in the video. But it's parodying their comedy sure. with other comedy. Yeah, no, I'm not. I found kind she's of like a nice man. Yeah. Seems like a nice man. Um, oh, yeah. Get him on the show. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, ultimately, though, I think that it all comes down to this. We have to stop conceptualizing gayness as a social condition. Yeah. We have to stop conceptualizing it as an abstraction. Um, it needs to be conceptualized as simply a biological function yep. and nothing more. And let people and let people go from that point. Um, we have to stop conceptualizing it on a higher level. We have to stop giving importance to so many so many things i think that we're uh, we have a culture that is dominated by the by the carnal senses that is dominated by the overindulgence in the carnal senses and that 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 really uh disables us from being able to see things on a spiritual level being able to see things in terms of the values um they represent in terms of uh, their relationship to human nature which is a direct uh, which is the platform for human action, which is the result of everything we're seeing right now. I mean, there are just a lot of principles that are being ignored because we want to see people, men with glitter on their fingers or with purses, and we think that that means something revolutionary. No, it means that someone has a sense of style that some folks like, some folks don't like, and I mean, it's neither right or wrong. It's just a sense of aesthetics. Aesthetics is a very... Uh, it's a very uh, open-ended thing, in my opinion. Now, there are certain things, in my opinion, that are probably more cons- more approximate to beauty than other things i i think there are some sort of there are there are some ideas there are some appearances that we can probably discern okay how does this fulfill our idea of beauty and does our idea of beauty mean anything um so like for example people who have, people who have proportional faces um and they, they typically are considered to ha- be closer to the idea of beauty someone whose face is not proportional does this mean that this is the case all the time does this mean that there are folks who are not attractive who don't no of course not Uh, there are plenty of folks who are very attractive and are very you know nice looking who don't have proportional faces i mean so 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 teen wolf so what was his name again yes i don't like jog or like heading but so (laughs) yeah yeah so like you know there's tyler perry no, I totally missed um, Tyler Posey. Posey. Yes. Oh, oh go on. Tyler Perry. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with Tyler Yeah, Perry. no, not Tyler Perry. Um, Tyler Perry. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just like, we have this sort of, we have an idea of beauty that is, a pro- that is approximate to a physical condition. And then the idea of beauty that is, you know, that, okay. So there's the physical condition and there's how we take it. So most folks probably agree that Britney Spears even now, but especially in her prime, was a probably a pretty attractive woman. She had all the features. 
even if you know no no when you when you look at all the all the drugs and all kind of stuff you probably yeah. think not so much but but in her prime she was the traditional conception of an attractiveness now there are men who would be like i'm not into britney spears no matter how attractive she looked yeah that's just not their thing so there's the physical approximation to beauty then there's how we interpret that approximation to beauty that's the subjective part and getting back over to the gay thing there's a sort of physical approximation to what being gay is i.e., being attracted to men and how some folks interpret that does that mean i wear handbags does that mean i go out and um nail polish on does that mean i go out and i i i put makeup on that's the subjective part and that's the part that people have to figure out themselves yeah but i would encourage people to make sure their actions are as approximate to the proper function of a particular concept and this instant sexuality as possible to avoid going down rabbit holes that do not logically follow. That's the problem here. Jen Psaki obviously does not conceptualize gay men outside of abstractions or outside of stereotypes. Or if she does, she's doing a poor job of showing that she does yeah. by having that man go into the White House and do that silly stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's my, that's my yeah. thoughts on it. administration is, to be honest. That's my thoughts on it, but I don't feel like anyone represents me um, as a gay. I mean, I, I look, I don't, there's no one who represents me because they're gay or I'm gay. I don't believe in that stuff. Yeah. I represent myself and there are some gay men who I, I can get along with. And there are many, 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 many others who I can't, who can't stand me and who I can't stand. Yeah. And it depends. It's not because they're gay. It's because of who they are as a person. So <laughs> that's how I, I, that that's how I, I can't, I couldn't, I can't be around uh, most gay people that I've met oh, in my you, life. You did a series, I, can't, I can't be around. You did a series of yeah. tweets a few days ago. So I was going to read yeah. tweets from you. Oh, but, oh, oh, go on. I, yeah, I, I, so I was going to Twitter. Let's I'm like, like, let me pull let's up. Go. Oh, that's fine. They, you know, they're kind of related to this. And I guess they're related to a lot yeah. of superficiality you find in like yeah. mainstream gay world, et cetera. But you said, I get asked if I ever had any difficulties with being gay ever since I came out at 14. Oh, you came out so young? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very young. Yep. In truth, I've had almost zero issues with family slash friends accepting me. All of the problems I've run into from that point until now, ongoing, concern other gay men. Many yep. ruthlessly ignore me. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly no victim. I'm at a fairly good point in my life, and affection would most likely take me off track. But there is a certain kind of image that many young gay men want. If you don't embody that image, you don't exist. It is unnerving. So uh, yes. I kind of want you to, yes. I guess, you know, maybe elaborate Span? a bit more on that. Yeah. Yes. If you look like Sean Mendez, most gay men, no matter their age, will want you. I mean, if you look like Zac Efron, if you look, if, if, you look, if you look at Zac Efron, most gay men, no matter your age, will want you. If you look, I, I mean, if you look like, um, I, I could just keep listing people. Neil Patrick Harris, Tom, maybe when he was younger, because I've seen some gay guys. He's a little, he's old now. He's I was just watching uh, Starship. So, uh, watching uh, Starship Trooper yeah, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are some who say. You know, if you're Leonardo DiCaprio when he was younger, not now, because folks are apparently he's too old right now. I mean, so that, that's the problem, too, that I'll talk about in a second. Yeah, if you're certain people who embody, again, I mentioned there's a physical approximation to beauty. So there is some objective basis for it. Yeah. Uh, no, Patrick Harris is a pretty good looking guy. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was and in my opinion, still is a good-looking man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Zac Efron was and still is a good-looking man. Yeah, Shawn Mendes is 
actually most men on my campus look like him so i'm not even impressed but still i guess i guess he i guess he is still a, a good look i guess i guess, I guess he yeah, he's handsome but anyway uh, yeah 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 i guess he is but but uh here's the thing though uh, okay here's the thing though when those subjective tastes become the dominant sense of of people in a broader culture that leads to exclusion i don't look like sean mendes i'm not zach efron I'm sure it's not Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm a balding 21-year-old who is intellectual. <laughs> no, that's the truth. Yeah. And I don't say that to disparage myself, but I just say it to understand that na- I naturally have less opportunities to, to I don't know, to, to engage in quote-unquote, get to engage in my sexuality than people like DiCaprio or Mendez or whatever would have. Not just because they're famous, because of how they look and that has been my number one difficulty whether it's in dating or whatever in being gay it's other gay men who overlook me and ignore me because they see some eye candy walking down the street who ignore my message and ignore my work i was at a conference one time when i was 18 i didn't look too much different than i look right now a bit more hair but not too much more i was in my suit and everything and i walked up to this random guy i didn't even know he was i didn't even know he was gay at first uh, I talked to him. I talked to, talk to him about libertarianism and everything. This is a libertarian conference, and he was on his phone and he was just like ignoring me. I'm like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" He's like, "Uh huh, I'm fine." I'm like, "Okay, well, how's life going?" Man? He's like, "It's okay." I'm like, "Okay." Uh, so how's he doing? How you enjoying the conference? He's saying, "It's fine." And so I looked over. I saw on his phone he had grinder pulled up, uh. and I'm like, "Huh." <laughs> then I saw a different guy, you know, broad shouldered, six one, walk up to him. And he put his phone down immediately and gave conversation with him. And I just looked at that for 15 minutes. I'm like, ain't that something? Ain't that something? Now, is that an individual who I would want to know in my life anyway? Probably not. Probably Probably a horse show who will be chasing young boys when he's 40 and 50 years old, like a lot of mentally unstable gay men tend to do, because they can never settle down and find someone. There's an obsession Uh, with There's definitely an obsession with age, and and beauty is associated with youth, you know? Yes, so so maybe maybe it's not someone who I want to know, but that interaction has played out in my life in almost every single interaction I've had with a gay man in my life. I've met many. One of my best friends. All of them. One of my best friends. Almost all of them had the same yeah. same problems as you you know he's always struggled with his weight you know he's he doesn't conform to the the perfect aesthetic of what people you know we, and we've had we've had many discussions about this he used to accuse me of having pretty privilege and stuff but you, you know i mean you do thank both you both of you do <laughs> both of you do you know i i, I, I mean it's just look here, here's the issue. <laughs> the issue here the thing is he himself overlooks guys who look like him and i love him he's one of my best friends but he himself was you know basically falling for this same thing that he is saying that other people do to him Mm. he uh, you know and i've asked him this before i'm like would you date someone who looks like you and he couldn't answer that so it's like like look if you find that this is a problem in the community then maybe you too should reassess what you find attractive and why you find it attractive if you find that i'm not i'm not well, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about, you know, anyone who might have this issue in general, you know, and a lot of it is societal, it's cultural, you know, it's like we, we see these models and, and magazines and, and movies, right? And like, even in movies, they'll have a character who's like supposed to be the ugly one. And of course, they're not ugly. And they look like, you know, they look flawless. Like I was thinking of a Ready Player One 
with the girl character. Oh, the girl. Yeah, he meets the yeah. girl character, and she's all like, oh, I'm ugly, and it's just because she has a birthmark, and really, she's, like, stunning, you know? It's like, ugh. And I think right. that so, warps a lot of people's self-image, but, you know, it also warps their own taste, too, about what they're looking for, so... I don't know. So, I don't know what to do about that sort of thing. Oh, well, well, no one knows what to do about it, because... I think everyone is guilty of it. Yeah. Maybe even myself a little bit. Now, I like to think that I do my best to look at people's hearts. And I have, I have, I have talked to men who most folks would not consider to be physically attractive. I consider them to be attractive because I thought I found their soul attractive. Right. So that, that, that Jesse McCartney song, right? I don't want another pretty face. I want your, you and your beautiful soul. No, I've actually, I've met Jesse too. He came, kids I, I've met uh, Jesse. Demi, Demi oh, you met Jesse. I've met Jesse. He played a concert at my university and I snuck backstage because I'm a huge fan. And I actually got to meet him. He's a very nice man. He's like, I saw you dancing and singing all the lyrics to my songs, dude. That's cool. He fist bumped <laughs> me, took a picture with me. Oh, yeah, he's a nice, nice man. Not, not famous anymore, but yeah. he's... I, know, I remember he's him, nice. you know, when I was young, yeah, I remember him. I a, thought he was cute. Yeah, I wasn't into his nice music. Man. I was into metal and stuff, but... <laughs> he's a nice man, but like, that's... Now, of course, he talks about beautiful soul. Then like, a few years later, he talks about shaking, girls shaking their butts on his face, you know, and that, that becomes a hit. So, I mean, so, so it changes. It changes, right? It goes from the idealistic to catering to the physical sometimes and going back to the idealistic because the physical itself will not satisfy you. I mean, having random sex just doesn't satisfy you for a very long time. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of gay people in, on, on my campus who are out there having sex every night. And I'm like, part of me is like, how are you doing mentally? It's like, well, I'm still depressed. You know, I sit inside watching YouTube videos all day to get my depression. I'm like, but what about all these men you're talking to? Aren't they, you know, on, on Tinder and stuff? What's going on with that? He's like, well, sometimes they'll talk for me for a while then they'll ghost me. Sometimes they'll be mean to me. I'm like, well, what's, go what's going on, man? Why are you giving yeah. yourself to so many people? So I, I've, I've learned to just appreciate a few things. Number one, I'm never going to have someone completely ignore my ideas because they're distracted by my looks well that's okay actually they might be distracted by my by my, my bald head which for a 21 year old is pretty pretty scary hey bald man most look like, most of the time most of the time well i appreciate it. i think i think i think some men can pull it off other men just shouldn't have bald heads uh but most of the time i don't think people are going to be distracted by that so that's one thing Another thing is that um, I don't want people in my life who are that physically driven. It's fine. We all have human desires. It's fine. But if that's the main thing, if you violate someone's human worth by how they look, then there's something wrong with your value system. Yeah. And by extension, there's probably something wrong with you. And number three, I want to avoid the rat race of trying to maintain an image that has gotten people to like me. Uh, whereas they don't maintain that they don't they don't want to see the other image, which is the image of my heart, which can probably be a little bit more consistent than other things in my physical body, because age does have an impact on your physical body. So for those reasons, I just I think about it sometimes. I think about how a lot of gay men just exclude me or ignored me, especially a lot of these gay conservative people. Um, all of them are like, well, I'm a gay conservative. I left the left. Oh, 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 oh. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, man, let's talk about this stuff. And 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 when we talk about it, they're like, oh they're they're like well you know i don't want to really talk with you i'm like why not I want to talk with you? why not it's like well you know i just i'm busy 
Next thing I know, my friend's like, hey, is this guy talking to you? I'm like, no. He's like, well, he's in my DMs. I'm like, aren't you straight? They're like, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> so look, I, I, I just, I, I, look, look, look. It, stre- it, stressed, it used to stress me out a lot. And it still kind of pisses me off. But, you know, I don't have, I can't worry, worry about it. Because ultimately, what can I do to change that? I mean, it, uh, I'm fine with my weight. I'm actually very happy with my body. I'm fine with my my baldness. Uh, I'm fine with how I'm eating. I mean, I, I eat like vegetable stir fries and baked chicken. I eat very healthy most of the time. Sometimes I cheat, but so I'm like, I'm that. fine. I'm largely fine with myself. And if there are a lot of other people who are not fine with me because of how I look, what the hell can I do to change that? I can't and stressing myself over it is probably not going to be to the betterment of my mental health yeah. and you know there's like ah, a study that says like 50, like i said my 56 my, my friend who's dealt with this it was not good for his mental health it, it it's not for him up you know you can't change it you can't you, you cannot you cannot change how other people perceive you right this is a stoic say you can only change how you perceive yourself yeah i mean marcus really regarding our body about this. regarding our bodies too it's like there are certain things we can change, you know, and oh, sure. like, like with him, you know, he struggled with his weight. So I'm like, look, you know, it might be harder for you to lose weight than not someone else. Is that fair? No, life's not fair, but there are certain mm-hmm. things about yourself that you can change. If you work hard enough and you really want to truly change them, you change them. Other things about your body, you can't change and you're never going to be right, able to exactly. change them. So it's, it's right. a matter of, you know, figuring out what can you change about yourself to make yourself feel better. And if you're doing it to attract other people, great. You know, I'm not saying that's a bad motivation to do it, but other things, you know, it. like your hair texture, whether you have hair or not, or whether your face is proportional or not, like, yeah, I guess you can go get plastic surgery, but how happy are those people too, you know, accept what you can't change change what you can you know and mm-hmm. just, you know you move on i think i think the right person will see your heart like you say and and will factor these things maybe they'll meet you and they'll you know you won't be their ideal of what they find aesthetically pleasing but the more they talk mm-hmm. to you and get to know your heart they realize that there's a balance you know you weigh those things you're like oh well maybe he's not the most handsome person who i thought but man like i i find this attractive about him i I like the way he thinks i like the way he speaks i like the the things he reads Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you will start to be attracted to that person you know right well as long as you look at superficial aspects and not everyone can and most people that's okay but the thing is a lot of people who have this issue are told oh just wait you'll find that someone yeah well, I'm sorry, but a lot of young men around my age are not waiting for someone. They're, not. They're getting multiple someones in one in one or two nights, uh, almost every week. Though, and 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 the question becomes: Why are people who look a certain way told wait for that one someone, whereas other people are getting multiple someones every week? I I just I I, I don't I, I do know why they're told that actually I know and no one's talk about it because. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm about to say it because people subconsciously recognize that sexual market value is different for certain kinds of people, which is why they say, Hey, wait for that someone, as opposed to saying, Hey, go get multiple people, go get multiple someones. Because they recognize, you know, okay, you're having this issue. You're probably not going to be very good 
in the sexual agora of exchange. So just be very, just, just be patient. And, and that's kind of an underhanded remark. And I think that people should just be out, go out and be honest about it. I think sparing people's feelings sometimes is a bad thing. I agree. Obviously, it's circumstantial because some people may be incredibly sensitive and may break down upon hearing certain things. But that person probably has bigger issues than what you're going to say to them. But in most cases, you should probably just go ahead and say, hey, man, you should probably wait to find someone because you probably don't have the sexual market value that is going to get you in the pants of multiple people and their husbands and their wives. And that may be a hard, bitter truth to swallow. But it, if it's true, it's true. Now, this, now, now, when we talk about sexual market value, we shouldn't be using that as a means of understanding the whole of your value or your worth or even part of it. No, 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 no. You can still be a great human being and do many good things and have a fulfilling life, even if your sexual market value is not very high. And so I just like to be very realistic about these things. And I know that a lot of folks my age are not looking for some balding 21-year-old guy who talks about philosophy all day. This is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> and guess what? That's fine. Hey, that's fine. Um, but if people say that you had a hard time being gay, I have for that very reason. Not my, my family and my friends, they, have, they don't care. They don't give a damn. But other gay men, I mean, I, 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 I have never interacted with so many mean-spirited people in my life and those I have found in gay circles. Never. Okay, never. Get ready never. For, you're I have, to DC. I right? have, uh, I, I, well, I'm planning to go up there, but uh, it's probably going to be worse up there even. It's yeah, I, have, I have been actually. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad lived of people. there for, for a few years, so he has a little experience. Yeah, I've been with, with all kinds of people, man. I've interacted with homeless folks, politicians, cab drivers, you know, business owners, all kinds of people. And I have never met any more, you know, just heartless Catty and shallow people, catty <laughs> than I have younger gay men. I've never in my life, and and women like me, women do like me. That's not a secret. I've had women come up to me and say, "Hey, Christian, what's up? What's going on, man? How, how, how's it hanging?" Sorry. You know, and look at me that certain with that certain with those eyes, and I'm like, "Darling, I'm sorry, I can't do it." It's like, "Why not?" I tell them, "I'm like, oh, so you know, so I'm always surrounded by beautiful women." Yeah, but. I mean, I can't do anything with it. So, 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 you know, people say, do I have self-hate? No, I don't have self-hatred. No, I, I, I have no problem being attracted to men or being black or whatever. But do I wish that, do I wish that people were different in how they act towards me? I do. I really do. But ultimately, man, what do you do about it? Yeah. What do you do about it? Do you sit around and complain all day, or you do, you, or, or do you get out and you and you and you show your gifts to the world? If you get out and show your gifts to the world, you're going to be better off than someone who sits around and complains about it all day. Right. But also, look, um, you I know, think I, I, I think there's something to be said for showing your gifts to the world that does make you attractive to people who may so, not yes. have found you attractive yeah. otherwise if they didn't know that you had those gifts. So. Hey, Stephen Hawking had a wife. Yeah, Stephen Hawking had a wife. Yeah. And I have a feeling that it wasn't because of his quote unquote money. I have a feeling it wasn't because of that. I mean, I mean, 
he was he, he was severely disabled. He, he could only speak out of a computer. Yeah. I mean, most people wouldn't go through all of that for money. It was because his wife really loved him yeah. and probably loved his mind. Well, my I mean, par- the things my parents- you talk about are a good yeah. example of this. You know, my, my mom is wheelchair bound. And when she came here, when she was 12 from Cuba, I mean, her legs were crossed like this. They had to do a special surgery mm. to like uncross her leg. Mm. So mm. you can't walk without a walker. My dad, you know, he's, you know, he's very, very handsome when he was young. He looks pretty good now, actually. He's got a haircut and beat cancer and lost a lot of weight, but he's looking better. Um, you know, I, it's, he struggled with mental illness and despite the fact mm. that he was handsome, you know, he was never quite normal and they found each other and they were perfect for each other. You know, it's like mm. no, no one, I don't think in the world could have, you know, accepted the other in the way that they accepted each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when you think about it, you're like how many other people would deal with that. And for all these right. years, he's been there for her, you know, helping her. And I think she helped him in ways that, you know, maybe he doesn't realize yet, but it's, you know, I, I think, I think there is someone out there for, for you, you know, and for anyone, I think it's very nice of you. I think you shouldn't dwell too much on it. And so I agree with that perspective. I think, you know, just give your gifts to the world. And I think the person who recognizes that they're going to fall in love with you for that. And they, they won't just look at your image and obviously, you know, they're going to, you're going to want someone to be attracted to you sexually, but it's not, yeah. it's not the the totality of what makes a strong relationship it isn't you know my parents probably haven't had sex like since I was born or something you know so there are many things that hold a relationship together for for years and mm-hmm. years and sex is right. not the only factor it's just one but right exactly right that that, that is correct um you know the physical track you mentioned is very important and you know I just I don't know man there's something about melding the spiritual value one has for someone else with physical intimacy. This yeah. is so special, so magical. I think cuddling like is connecting. Point, honestly, oh, it's very no, cuddling is great. Too. It, it, it's cuddling is great too. It's way more important. Cuddling is great too. Cuddling, hey, cuddling is great too. That's uh, I, nothing against that, but there is something very special about connecting to someone that you're already connected to on an emotional level. Then cementing that with the physical relationship is just something so magical that kind of cements something yeah between those two people and so that's something that every human being should experience once in their life and you know i'm not many human beings do experience that regardless of how they look but i think certain kinds of people experience that a little bit more well okay maybe not that because most people who are working up not getting that but there's a trade-off like you said how many of those are truly happy just because they're very active and they have that sexual marketability and they end up sleeping with all these people you know they end up living a lot of them very shallow hollow lives and and you find that in the gay community often and like you said why many of them when they start to age they just they can't accept it because they can't accept that their sexual attraction is now going down and Mm -hmm. physical attraction attraction, and they become very unhappy people it's like whereas if Mm -hmm. they would have just kind of settled down and stopped trying to sleep with all these different people and just commit to something they would have built something that you know that has value and and longevity to it and i think that's exactly so many there's so much unhappiness and it's also a bit of a double-edged sword too because as somebody who you know i was a young caddy gay man who was sort of obsessed with (laughs) physical appearances in my youth more than the intellectual or emotional content of the character 
And one of the things I noticed, uh, you know, in, in the dating realm was that uh, I couldn't be honest with a lot of the guys that I was dating, or as soon as I did open up and I was honest about, you know, my interest in conspiracy theory, or maybe I was critical of the state policy of, of Israel, for example, or the fact that, you know, I like I was interested in a certain politician or a certain, you know, intellectual, whatever it was, as soon as that would happen, it would sort of like it would make me instantly less attractive to the individual who previously who had not known that about me, you know, and I'm not one for self-censorship, but I can see how it would cause people to sacrifice parts of who they were in order to pursue a relationship with somebody who maybe they were physically attracted to and was physically attracted to them, but who knew they could not be completely honest uh, with that person because, uh, you know, they weren't into that whatever that mm -hmm. happened to be. That's right. So in a way, That's it's right. a double-edged sword. And I it think is. It, it, it is. It, it's definitely uh, serve you in the long run because I, I have no doubt you will find your special person that you will spend your entire life with just because you're so fucking awesome. You're 21, man. And you you're young. So much time. I didn't meet so Daniel. I was 32 when I met yeah. Daniel. So I was 24, right? Going on 25. Wow. Yeah, yeah you were. Look at that. And my, like my first relationship, like I'm, I'm rare, you know, my first relationship with a man lasted like five years. Like I'm looked at as like a unicorn. Jesus. Yeah. And I've only been with Jesus. four people. Like, and so when I meet gay men and they, Jesus, and they four find people. Yes, exactly. So I've always, Oh been, my Lord. Look, I was raised on, on some more traditional values. I was raised Catholic and, 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 you know, I did sort of, I'm not like religious anymore, although I consider myself very spiritually inclined. Mm -hmm. Um, I internalized a lot of those values. I've always been more modest and, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind taking my shirt off on the internet now and, and it's, and I enjoy it and, and it's nice. And I like, you know, it's, it's obviously nice to be desired by people. Everyone wants to be desired by people, but at the same time, it's like, I was never one to go out and sleep with a whole bunch of people, even though I guess I would have had the sexual marketability to do that. I chose not mm -hmm. to do that because from a very young age, I already knew or suspected that that wouldn't make me happy and that it was hollow you know you have to avoid a lot of sexually transmitted yeah diseases. but really it was just i i i i wanted to be in a relationship i found i found i was better when i was in one and i didn't i didn't want to throw myself in, into some you know miasma that that could become an addiction even and that's what happens to a lot of gay men too and i was witnessing it you know and i i knew some people who were already doing that so I just, I knew very young that I was like, this is probably not a smart thing to do. And yes, I could have had right. throwing themselves at me. I just, I chose not to do that. I chose to find something that had longevity to it. And that's just me, you know, like there's, right. you see most gay men, I don't think a lot of them aren't like that. I think a lot of them, they want no. to have the- No, they're not. Daniel, yeah. yeah, they're not. They're not. <laughs> so, no, they're not. So, look, I, when I first started meeting more gay men through Brent, because he knew a lot of them, I was never immersed in like a gay community where I'm from in yeah, New York City. Neither am I. But he lived in New York City and stuff, so he knew a lot. And I would meet them, and when they would find out I've only like had four, four partners, <laughs> they just, they're shocked. It blows their mind. They, they can't even fathom that. They don't understand it. They're like, how? How is that possible? How have you only like, slept with four people? And it's like, oh, because that, I chose to. They don't get it. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I've had I've had no partners of any kind. So they look at me like even more. I've had one tell me, Christian, you need to go ahead and hook up so you so you'll be experienced. I'm like, what, man? I, what, what, what do I want to share myself? 
someone who's not and these guys are out here doing crazy stuff on the internet with i i i've seen what they do no i i don't i don't want to i don't want to i don't i don't i don't i mean you you should i'm not gonna say you shouldn't explore and and you know maybe meet someone but yeah like at least like them you know even if it doesn't turn into a relationship like like the the well, that's always in, in, between, in, in between my first relationship and brent you know i i slept with two other guys and those things didn't turn into long-term things but you know i did legitimately i liked them you know and i the experiences were important transformative experiences for me and they helped me grow in certain ways even though they weren't things that turned into like a long-term relationship, you know, they did course, meet that experience yeah. that I think I needed. And, you know, and I, well, sure, I talked but... to them, I got to know them, you know, and, and through that process, I, I realized that they weren't the right people for me, despite, you know, the fun that we had for the brief time that we, that we had it. So there's, there's value people, in that too, man. There's value in that too. Some people have the ability to have that, those kind of intermittent experiences, yeah. Other people, as I mentioned before, the, the possibility that happening is way, 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 way low. So, I mean, you know, th- these are the kind of things that certain people get to experience that others may not have the likelihood of experiencing at their rate. Yeah. And they have to go ahead and dig and look and deal with all kinds of even more rejection than other folks who have to deal with. Yeah. So it almost seems easier if one is not a masochist to simply not do anything with anyone to avoid all the pain and trouble that comes with even trying to get the foot in the door in the first place. And just as many folks have been saying, wait, and that's been the philosophy that I've endorsed. I mean, I have, I probably asked out 60 guys, my three years on this campus, every single one of them has rejected me. And all of them said some variation of the same thing. You're a very nice guy, but you're not my type. Almost all, like a broken, like a broken record, like a broken record. I'm like, are all of you hooked up to like the fucking Borg or something? You like a high <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like a broken record. I'm like, I'm like, what's wrong with you people? It's the same exact line every Look, single I, I time. Think, I think younger people though so, are more superficial too. I think you know. They are. Uh, Look, I think they are. many of those men, those sixty men that you asked out, perhaps if they were older you know, and, and in a more settling down mindset might reconsider that. And no, I have had hype might older, change, you know, as I've had older men approach me. Okay. You know, <laughs> so the issue is not that I have no one that wants me. I've, I've had some people on my age that were like, okay, I'm into you. In fact, I was actually, I was in the Goodwill shopping the other day, getting some clothes. I'm like, uh, that's where I get my clothes at the Goodwill. I got everything in the Goodwill. Nice. I, I got some nice suits in the Goodwill. So yeah. it's all nice stuff. Um, okay. Some of it still has a tag on, actually. Um, and get it for, and, I, I, and there was this guy on the cash register. Very obviously gay, had the, uh, had the, had the, the pride earrings on, you know, he's like <laughs> in his mid 20s. And I walk into the cash register and I'm with someone else. And he's actually looking at me the entire time. He's rigging up her order. <laughs> and I, I put my stuff on the, on the cash register. I'm like, what's the hell's going on? And I got about maybe $80 worth of merchandise. This individual looks at seven items and says, I got your total already. And I'll have my items still in the basket. I'm like, huh? He's like $7. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, seven dollars. And, and he's like, just like staring at me, and I'm like, yeah. 
what's am I getting hit on right now? And so and so I was kind of freaked out. I'm like, well, this just doesn't happen. What's going on? Is this man blind or something? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? So I'm I'm like, I'm like getting my clothes out. I'm like, get out of here. And like my girlfriend's like, oh, Christian. She's just smiling. I'm like, get out of here, man. And so I'm just like, I get myself in the basket and we just go out. And like we put the stuff in her car and I'm like, what the ha- what happened there? I just got eight out worth of stuff for like five and dollars. What's going on? She's like, he likes you, Christian. I'm like, what? 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 Some shit, some sort of a joke. And so she makes me go back into the room and do the store so I can put the cart back. And so I'm when I do that, he looks right at me, like he like a rough he just turns right towards me and he smiles. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what the heck's going on in my life right now? And I, I like wave and I, I walk out quickly. He follows me, actually, <laughs> and looks around for me. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And for the past two weeks, I've been thinking to myself, did I just get hit on? I, I, I'm still... I'm yeah. still in shock. That's what it was. So, 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 so. Was he cute? Did you happened. like him? Uh, yeah, he, he was okay. I like, I like people who are a little bit more direct and like, don't beat around the bush. And um, yeah, now, of course, kind he had no idea if I was gay. Look, the game's kind of it can, fun. It can, it, it can be. It can be. I was like creeped out for most of it. I'm like, what just happened to me, man? Um, so that was something. It was interesting. And so I have, I've kind of experienced a lick of that sexual attention, I guess, that a lot of people who are way more attractive than I am get all the time. And I'm like, imagine, okay, multiply this guy by five or ten. And imagine if almost everyone around you saw you in the same light he saw you. How would you feel, Christian Watson? I would say, well, I guess I would feel it would feel nice for a moment because I would have, you know, I would, I would be able to do things, I guess. But ultimately, that guy didn't know who I was from Adam. I could have been anyone. Yeah. I could have been any kind of person. I could have been a killer. I could have been. I could have been. What was that? What was that famous? Ted. I could have been Ted Bundy. Yeah. For all he knew, Legit. and yet he essentialized my being to my appearance. Yeah, yeah. I would feel pretty violated. Doesn't that was my experience? I I would feel pretty violated. That was my experience every single day. I would feel, I would feel violated in my humanity. Um, so it felt nice for a moment. Then I'm like, Christian, what are the implications of what just happened? Of there? course, you philosophize it. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, what? what it, wouldn't it be better, Christian, if you know you were in a coffee shop and this is not like my fantasy, and someone had heard you discussing <laughs> philosophy or politics, and they perked up and looked over to you and listened to the conversation, but to you and said, "Hey, man, what were we talking about?" And you guys conversed about it for like a few hours. Then he's like, "Well, man, I'll talk to you later. Give you a number, and then that begins something much new. That that's a better base in Christian Watson's opinion." For a long-term fulfilling relationship, I and some guy had to go with one. Then some guy had to go with one to mess with me because he saw I thought I looked nice. You know, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. so it's not it's not like that. I don't get any attention. I get some, and I've had some young guys, younger guys, like I'm around my age, 21, 20, want you know want to do stuff, you know, and even in those experiences, they have been totally motivated by physical sensations 
there was this one time this guy actually called me over to his, to his room because he was going through depression. I'm like, God, God, come over. I have not talked to him for a very long time. He was like 19 or something. I went to his, he's on the campus. I went over to his room and he was half drunk. He was on, on some kind of drug. I forgot what drug it was, on some kind of drug. And I'm like, dude, are you, are you all right? He's like, I'm depressed, Christian. My life is terrible. I can't believe it. I mean, I don't, I want to, I'm suffering right now. I'm like, okay, man, let me, let me talk to you. I put my arm around him. I talk to him. I'm like, you know, man, what's going on here? And I spend two hours trying to talk to this gentleman the entire time. He's thinking about one thing the entire time. He's trying to fill me up, touch him. Like, dude, what's going on here, man? I'm trying to talk to you on a deep level right now, man. You're trying to have sex with me. What's going on with you? He's like, just forget about all our problems. They'll always show away in the night. I'm like, what the, am, I in, am I in a Dracula movie or something? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, you sound like a vampire or something. What's going on here, man? <laughs> That's kind of weird. So, uh, so I, I, I just stayed and ultimately it was fruitless. I left that morning thinking, you know what, man? You know what? There are people who deal with this every single day of their life. And sometimes I don't even get to the conversation part. Sometimes it's just like they go in, the sex happens, it just it's over immediately. Yeah. And that's it. And I'm like, that was so unfulfilling. Just so unfulfilling. So I I, I you know I'm I'm still saving myself for someone that I really care about and I really love. Because I've had a little a few tastes and licks of of, of, of the sexual world and as fun as it may seem it's a lot of it's barren and empty yeah and i just can't imagine that being the way you get your throat it, it becomes an that being the way it becomes a form yeah of yeah you know like that guy was yeah saying, let's just forget about all our problems and stuff yep. we'll definitely use this as a form of escape yes and whatnot but 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 those older men though i'm a lot of them are into me and i'm like it could be my grandfather, man. <laughs> my father, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had a bunch of I, older men like creep like, on me. Like, how would I explain this to my family? He's like, well, they don't need to know me. You grow man. I, 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 I'm like, oh, hold on, man. If I'm gonna have you in my life, I have to. You have to be settled. I have to know my family, and it's like, oh, don't f them, f them down. I'm your family now, man. I'm, I'm your, I'm your family now. It's just something else that I, well, I cannot repeat here. But he's like, he's like, I'm your, you know what? Now I'm like. No, my my, you're not you're not him. <laughs> what? No, you're not. What's wrong with you, sir? What's wrong with you, sir? Excuse you? Okay, what's wrong with you, man? Okay, anyway, so that's that. I, I don't want that. So I guess if I really wanted attention, I could go out and get it, but not from the people. And you're right. I there are people who want to give me attention that I don't want to do with. You're right about that, Daniel. If I wanted the attention like that from a certain kind of people, I could get it, I guess. And obviously, I wasn't even trying to get attention in that damn store, but that just happened out of nowhere. Yeah. But it's not like I can go down with my shirt off, walk on the street, and I'll, I'll turn heads. I'll probably make a few people want to puke, but I won't turn heads, right? So, so it's different. It's different. It's on different levels. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and if look, you, I'm look, my body. If you I'm want, with how you want to get shredded, you can get shredded, Christian. You can get shredded. I, it's I work, though. That's the thing. I, it's I, like, I don't. Oh, yeah. It, it would get me a lot of attention. You would have to really want. want it. And I personally, yeah, no, I, I personally, I think working out just to look good is like always the bad. Sort of like, the wrong it's reason. It's the wrong reason yes. to do it. 
like it's that should be like a secondary thing it should always be about i do health, you know, so exercise i do cardio yeah i do cardio and, and muscle training well i, I do the steroids. that's muscle training i guess that, that, that kind of stuff so i can be healthy yeah so that might so I, I'm not dealing with health issues when I'm 50 and 40 and 30. Yeah, that's that's and, the so main that I, reason I, I, to I, do it when you're in your 20s. It's better for your mood. And yeah. Yeah, it, it increases it'll, your longevity and also your, your quality of life mid to... Yes. I think it helps with the mind. Yes. Too. It helps you focus. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get involved in the extreme bodybuilding that some of my yeah. friends get involved in. That's good for them, man. That's good for them. I, I support them. They look there, great. There are worse addictions to have than a fitness addiction. <laughs> That's for sure. So I'm sure there's worse. I, I just don't get involved in that. I don't, because they're I'm not sure I have the time for a, a, a rigorous fitness rate, uh, rigorous um, muscle regime. Yeah, you, you might not, but you like, might not need it right now because that's not what you're going for. You know, you're trying to develop yourself professionally, and and along yeah. with how developing yourself physically can also increase your sort of second sexual market value. Increasing yourself professionally will also increase your sexual market value. Yeah. So oh, and I think for yeah, men, just ask actually, Hugh Hefner. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, he's a good example. <laughs> But, you know, at, over time, as you, you know, increase your sort of like professional status, that does make you more attractive to a wider variety of people who would not have considered you previously simply based upon your physical appearance. So hopefully that's not all they're looking for, though, because that's also yeah. that, that could be just as bad as someone who just wants you for your looks. You know, you don't want someone who just wants well, you yeah, for you your have status. To, you have to, you have to be money, willing to you know? engage in, in dating and discussion yeah. and, and, you know, you sort of take things very slow and you know over time you will it'll become apparent if you pay close attention to these people what their true motivations are just by the way that they talk to you the words they use their body language how they respond to you in certain situations and you know if you pay close enough attention you'll be able to tell okay this person likes me for me or okay this person likes me for my money my body you know, like what I can get for them, you know, and it just, it, it emerges over time, but it's mm-hmm. something that you have to learn through experience, which yeah. you don't have right. to because you're right. still very young. Yeah. But right. Right. Exactly. getting that experience either, you know, and I'm not saying obviously to go like sleep around, but you know, some, I think you should go back, to the, go back to the thrift store and go back to the, the guy. Thrift store. I don't know. He had the prior earring, so I don't know. Whatever, he's gonna have a conversation. <laughs> you know, go out some lunch. He, he might, he might find out that Chris is maybe not, he's like, a crazy psycho lib, but at least that experience. Oh dear, experience. You know, is it'll be something that you he's can be like, like, oh, well, okay. commentator. Uh, if it's over, <laughs> I have, I want nothing okay. with you. So, <laughs> so, oh, you're a master. You're a master. <laughs> uh, so, so. <laughs> It happens okay. to Mikey but, uh, all the time. All the uh, time. Okay. Well, oh, well, okay. Mikey's a different. Mikey's a different story, though. Mikey's a different. Like, I love. I love Mikey, and I think I think I'm gonna be colliding with him soon. I think. Yeah. He's a different story, though. And that's a different man of worms, right there. I think there's just a lot of stuff going on there. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on there. I think that I. I, I okay. Let me just. I, 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 let me be open. Okay. I. I think that. I think Mikey enjoys making some of these guys uncomfortable by talking about issues that they think are sacrosanct. I think he enjoys that. Like I saw his yeah. like recent tweet about how the leftist was crying and everything. I think he kind of, I think he like. I think it's part of the, the test, right? If you can't deal with this issue, yeah. this political issue on, my, on, the, on the first date, 
why would I want to have something more deeper and meaningful for you? I think he enjoys that process. I, and, and that's not a bad thing to enjoy, by the way. I think that it's very important to actually have that process. Yeah. But I think he enjoys it a lot. And so I don't think... He definitely gets that. a hey, kick out of it. But hey, we get great stories out of it. So, But, you know, <laughs> I, have, I have been on one date in my life. And it was, I dated a, a it was a Marxist, actually, a, a oh, card-carrying yeah. Marxist, who was a, fr- who was a fan of, of Slavol Zizek, and actually oh, spent Zizek. a lot of, t- <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zizek, yeah, and actually spent a lot of time uh, bad-mouthing Jordan Peterson and everything, really? and so when I told him I was, li- when I told him I was libertarian, he's like, oh, see, so, uh, <laughs> so before the date, I told him I was really into philosophy, and he, and he was, seemed concerned, he's like, okay, on the date, please don't destroy, destroy me with philosophy. I'm like, huh? Like, don't do that, please. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to destroy anyone on the first date. Maybe that comes later, but, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't do, <laughs> I don't do all that. I'm kidding. Um, anyway, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very pensive today, am I? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we should probably actually wrap it up soon. How long have we been talking? We've yeah. For what, like three hours? For, uh, yeah, we're for approaching, yeah, we're approaching but, half, but it's, it's my okay, girl. But I'll, I'll be very, I'll be very quick. So I, I dated him for, for a little bit and we talked like an hour and 30 minutes. I thought it was pretty good for a first date. And I'm like, hey, you want to meet up again? He's like, why not? I'm like, great. I can't wait. You know, I text him a little bit afterwards, like a, like a few hours afterwards. I'm like, hey, man, I'd like to meet up. He's like, okay, let's go bowling. I'm like, hey, when do you want to go? After that, he didn't respond to me. I'm like, go classic. Didn't respond to me. Then it's been about a year. I'm, I'm not still waiting for him, but like it's been <laughs> yeah. about a year and he still hasn't responded to me. Now, I had to go back and analyze, okay, Christian, what did you do during that day that may, that may have turned him off? Well, we talked a lot about philosophy, and he is a card-carrying Marx, and you're pretty libertarian. And if you read his facial reactions throughout the day, it's pretty obvious that he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't. He wasn't entirely in sync with what you were going with. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't so, want to smash capitalism enough. So he's yes. like, I can't, I can't be. So, that. so there can be cases where people, I guess, are attracted to who you, but they're not really attracted to your beliefs, not to Dilbert. Yeah, well, values are important. I think those things yeah. matter, you know. So, yeah. like, you know, like you said, I think Mikey probably does enjoy it, but I do think he has a point in, in bringing those things up at the beginning and just kind of getting that out of the way. Because the last thing you want to do is you start developing a thing with someone you really like. And then when you finally, like, talk about those aspects of yourself, like your political beliefs or your philosophical values, et cetera, and then it, it, you know, it all crumbles. I think it, it's going to hurt even more than to just mm-hmm. be upfront about some of those things that are important to you right from the beginning to just make mm-hmm. sure that like, hey, are we on the same page regarding this or regarding that? Mm-hmm. Or will you discount me because I, you know, voted this way or voted that way? So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a complicated subject, but I'm glad we talked about it because I think these yep. are these are important issues and you know, they are issues that are worth talking about in, in regards to the LGBT community and the superficiality that you find in it. But it's not even just limited to gay people either. You know, I'm, I'm sure there no, are it's not. You know, many straight men who deal with similar things as well. And it's plenty. Like, I have plenty. Of, you know, I have a friend who, who gets passed up all the time because he's too short. So it happens. It's, it's not fair. It's not fun, but 
it is what it is. But I do believe you're going to find someone, Christian Watson. That person is going to come along. I don't know when the hell they're going to come along. When they're going to come along and be like, wow, this guy's brilliant. You also have a very proportionate face. Ah. Well, I, I don't think so, but thank you. I think you have a proportionate face. It's very, very up for I'll draw you and I'll prove it to you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I've been wanting you to draw me. Well, it's a fan art. Fire. Oh, <laughs> fan art. oh, yeah. Sure. I love fan art. Yeah. I love it. All right, man. Dude, thanks for coming on the show and talking with us so long again. And I'm looking forward to your, you know, your speaking tour and to watching your your career pop off because, you know, I think you're going places. When's this new, uh, this new video drop? We think this weekend. I think this weekend. We're, we're working very hard on it. Um, I'm not wanting to rush it, though. Yeah. So I think this weekend and after this weekend, I'll be posting more regularly as well. Yeah. Um, but, and I'll be using my higher quality camera. So we think this weekend. So just stay tuned. I, uh, in fact, you'll be, you two will be the first. In fact, when we get off this, I'm going to share, I'm going to share with both of you a sneak peek. Okay. I have something already awesome. ready for you to show you. Yeah. Everyone. Thanks for watching dangerous rhetoric. And uh, don't forget to follow Christian. What's your uh, Twitter. He's at official C Watson. C. Watson. Yep. Yeah. Watson. And then what's the YouTube again? It is just Christian Watson. Christian Watson. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for watching. See ya. Bye.